This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with Longleaf Reptilia, and you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Part of the Herpeticulture Network. This is episode 134 of the Herbeticulture Podcast. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. I am Jacob Browns with Longleaf Reptilia. I keep expecting the JLB, man. I'm still Dude, not I'm, used to it. It still throws <laughs> me off. I'm like, nah, I'm Jacob JLB. Wait, what? Dude, I'm waiting for I'm waiting to trip up myself. Like I still have to think about it. <laughs> like it doesn't, you know, I did that. I had that name for so long, you know, and it just it got to where it just kind of rolled off the tongue. And so it, getting you know i have to i still have to think about saying longleaf reptilia but luckily that rolls nicely still so we'll we'll get used to it over time yeah it's still i'm not having like any regrets on the name yet so it's yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i don't know i was like everybody you know you always have those second thoughts and i was so torn on names and i don't know i was worried i was gonna say it in a couple months and be like ah it's terrible, but no, I, I'm I'm still digging it. Still yeah, it's always logo, it's so. tough to find something that you like, and then you're worried about if other people are gonna like it or if it's just gonna sound stupid. But it sounded a lot cooler in your head. And that's the thing, like I and I tried, uh, I had that mindset for a while, but like I I kind of put that out of my head and was like, you know, I I because I got some negative feedback on the name at first, and then I had a couple good ones. Like people were like, yeah, no, I like it, and I was like, you know what? I like it too, damn it. It like, sort of made more sense when you explained it. Yeah. Like the whole Longley thing. Then it was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I don't know. It meant something to me and I liked it. So I was like, I, I got to where I was like, I don't care if anybody else likes it. I think it's cool. It flows. So I know it's unique. With, I thought a lot about mine when I was trying to decide. And it was like, you can always tell when it's not the one because it just doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Like some of them feel close. Some of them you can tell they're like, that ain't it. But then you find yeah. you land on the one and you're like, that one feels right. right? And that's There's why it. I went with Longleaf Reptilia because as soon as I thought about it, I thought it, I was like, oh, that's good. I like mm-hmm. that. You know, nothing else hit me like that one did. So I was like, you know what? We're going to roll with it. Yeah. So well, this show is brought to you by Steve Snake Shrine's Venom Hot Sauces. Please check them out. Grab some hot sauce. By so- doing so, you are supporting his public outreach. Uh, he does a lot of education. He does a lot of removals. He does obviously rescues because it's a snake sanctuary. Uh, and he's also a first responder. So yes. if you needed any other reasons other than the fact that he's doing awesome stuff, I mean, that's one that's just the icing on the cake. So yes. check him out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week we are joined by Mr. Ryan Dumas of Rad Reptiles. What's up, How you doing, fellas? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Excited to have you on. It's not too bad today. Get out of here. Oh, it's been nice in Cincinnati. It's been warm for a while, but today's high was like 78. It was it was beautiful out. Nice. Not to rub it in. Sorry. Well, we've yeah, it's yeah. actually it's been a little cooler here because the last two days we've gotten like what eight inches of rain. Yeah, dude. Pretty sure. Like, it's dude, this morning nuts, like, I drove drove it into driving into work this morning. Oh my goodness. I could not see. It was insane. 
like they closed roads because of the amount of water that was on them like we it's it's just weird every like people were talking about it at work they're like yeah it's gonna storm today and i was like thinking like usual thunderstorm whatever no big deal and then it hit and i was like oh my god this is like a hurricane no we got (laughs) i'm pretty sure like i think we legit got like three inches of rain in the matter of like an hour yeah like i'm not i'm not exaggerating like it was insane then we got another inch easily this morning Good Lord. No, we haven't got much rain at all. It's been very dry. So I would like a little rain. So share some. You can yeah. we have more than enough. <laughs> no, I'm I'm in I I'm eating it up though, man. I'm I'm herping a lot in this weather. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I almost I almost perfect. I almost dove off on the way here from uh the cigar shop and went down brickyard. I uh, found found a yellow rat snake there last night. And, um, yeah, that nice cooler weather, you know, with all that all that rain, we got stuff, really man. stirred things up and got things moving. Yeah. And Jake found a, a yellow rat in no time mm-hmm. here on the island. Yes, so mm. that was uh, that was cool. But the first thing, uh, Dom wanted me to talk to you about the Herp <laughs> Society meeting that you guys had recently. She was there was a I guess a guest that talked about like locomotion that she was just oh, reading yeah. about. Man, Dr. Bruce Jane out of University of Cincinnati. We had him in talking about uh, snake locomotion, mm-hmm. and uh, just I can't, I'm I'm not going to do him justice because I won't remember anything that well because it was at the end, it was after work day. I was at the zoo for like 12 hours that day, uh, and uh, well, I'm the president of the Herp Society, so I, I was able to work out a deal where we can have the meetings at the zoo. So I just never nice. left. Yeah, it, it works out. It works out, but. I mean, he just blew my mind. Like, you think there's maybe four ways of snake movement, right? You think lateral undulation, rectilinear locomotion, uh, concertina, things like that. And, I mean, he broke them down in there. I mean, there's over 20 different, unique, distinct forms of rupt- or snake locomotion. Was he involved in that study with the irregularis and then yeah. climbing the poles? Was he... Was he a part yeah. of that? Wow. Not, he was that. So you saw that like lumberjack move where they were like, yeah. throwing loops around. They like around lasso giant. themselves and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also showed this uh, this clip where he was. Sh- this snake was able to go vertical and had 90% of its body length, snout to vent length, straight up. 90% of that. I mean, I, I, Jesus. it was amazing. He had video evidence and it just would go all the way up snag it and then keep going i mean it was a it was a really good presentation technical at times but he kept it um in line really well where dom was helping us out is um it was our first in-person meeting since february of 2020 you know right before the world changed a little bit and um i had used the the tech in that area before Uh, i'm not a tech savvy guy but i'm not tech dumb Mm -hmm. so i thought and uh, we just could not get anything to, I could get the computer on, I could get the projector on, but I couldn't get the projector to read the, comp- it was a nightmare. Uh, luckily, one of our officers in the in the Herb Society brought their own projector um, as backup. So we had to use that, but she was very, very helpful figuring that out because she's a lot smarter with that stuff than me, but I'll have it figured out by the next, uh, by the next one. She's a millennial. Yeah, I mean, I'm technically a millennial. I'm an elder millennial, <laughs> but I identify as X. <laughs> I'm old enough. Close enough. But yeah, Close she was enough. super helpful in the Herp Society. It's nice. We started streaming meetings and then uh, 
just to get it back on track. And now we're trying to stream while having in person and it's been nice. Um, yeah, it's been being the president of a herb society was a little nuts for a while there. Cause I mean, what the hell do you do? Right. You know, it's like, no, don't come in. And then the zoo's got its own policies, right? Cause we're, mm-hmm. we're not paying to use the room and you have to respect their policies. And it's like, Nope, we can't meet. So, <laughs> but, uh, it's nice to get them going again. Dom was very helpful. It's nice to see her there. You know, she's got a very, um, energetic, you know, aura. So it's, it's always nice to have her around. Yeah, yeah, a lot absolutely. of positive, just energy kicking in yeah, the room. Yeah, so for sure, she's yeah. a trip. One of our favorite people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back to when you're talking about uh, your longleaf reptilia. First off, I love the name. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I love longleaf pines. My mom lives in Wilmington, North Carolina. See a lot. I just I think that's a that habitat. Um, yeah, man. Stir something up for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I no, I, it's it's fantastic. I was actually like checking out a new area the other day out here on the island, and I came across a small stand of longleaf pines. I freaked Where? out right there on that um, course and Tate Park. Oh yeah, 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 right back there. I found some little some little saplings that were just growing up out of the ground, all needles, you know, and some big old pine cones i geeked out man See, i feel bad i couldn't i, I don't <laughs> but, know the difference if i saw them i'd probably like next to each other i'd probably be able to tell you like a longleaf versus a bob lolly or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is lot, it's a lot of lollies yeah. mostly but anyways continue ryan oh no saying yeah. mine when i was coming trying to come up with a name for what i was doing i i was like nah i don't want anything i'll just use my name uh, but my initials actually spell rad so it's yeah, very no. lame it was very no, lame but cool and all at the same time but i was like you know what just rad that way, if I ever want to change it, it'll just be, you know, Ryan Andrew, like uh, nah, man, reptiles that, that, that or something. Works. Nah, man, I'm, yeah. I, I like it. I like your name. Andy Rhea had a good one. He put a Rhea, so it's area. Oh, yeah. Reptiles. Uh, they are were caps. So I was like, that's that's actually pretty smart. I like yeah. that. I liked his logo. It was a real nice. It was a really <laughs> but, uh, just well done logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was if good. You, uh, I really think if you if you know you stick to sort of a a brand and and stick with it long enough, I think it really stays around and it becomes noticeable even subconsciously over time with a lot of people. You know, like this one, I made a very strong effort not to change it much, and I try to keep sort of the background picture the same typically. So like, there's sort of a color gradient associated with it in a sense, and I don't know. It's been the same for. Like what five or six years now, but yeah. uh, I don't know. It's the the power of brand building. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I was just like, a, I need a name. I'm not just going to be like Ryan, but I, yeah. I could have. But I felt compelled, <laughs> right? And then it was like, okay, I'll do this for you know, if I do this for more than a year and stick to it, I'll spend some money and have someone like do up a logo. So then I, yeah. I reached out to somebody, a, a graphic designer friend of mine, and he put something together that I really liked. So. Then I went yeah. ahead with it, but you never know, like if you're going to stick with it or not. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, no, I dig it. It was very man. simple. Yeah, simplistic is the way to go, man. But it's interesting. Yeah, it took with, a long time. Yeah, oh, with sorry, Jake's. With Jake's, it's interesting because there is like a different feel from the JLB thing. Like maybe it's because yeah. you're also doing like colubrids have now sort of taken a front seat to a lot of stuff. Right. But like it has a different vibe to it. 
yeah than the no. jlb thing did but you also haven't done like you haven't had to do much in terms of like rebranding because usually when you have to rebrand it's like a big deal like it's expensive you gotta yeah. like, change everything i mean for bigger like corporations and stuff it's a massive undertaking to right. rebrand. and that's but, why I mean, for us, it's like yeah. whatever but yeah yours yeah. is just very seamless yeah no mine, mine was pretty seamless you know i had to go through the whole logo hoops and getting different versions for different stuff and you know i gotta work out my shirt situation and all et cetera, et cetera. but you know it is it is what it is i'm excited about it and just a, a little bit of a process but yeah no it was a pretty seamless seamless need change a, need to get a thn tapestry to replace mine yeah what's wrong with that one just because it doesn't I don't know. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's like this is always <laughs> THN stuff. It's never PCE stuff. So it's like what, you know, one, I mean, I, I like it. I used to hang in my room up until I got that giant rack that covers that entire wall. <laughs> so when well, I got more wall to. Yeah, I can put it over there, but I'm not going to cover the Deftones flag. That's just a. Uh, that's, no, like man, oh. man, your snake that's like treason. That's like treason. Man, your snake room, man. Oh, Deftones Death fan? No, no. Yeah. All Metal Coast. Like tattooed on my skin, Deftones fan. Oh, get out. I'm a yeah. longtime Deftones fan. Yeah. Yeah, man. And Gojira that first album was just so different than everything else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Slightly before my time, but yeah, well, I'm older than you, so. <laughs> Jake's probably oh, like, "What? What are Dev Tones? <laughs> I've listened to Dev Tones. Yeah, I know. Jake listens to them. I listen yeah, to them. Yeah. They're uh, a unique taste. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are unique. I'll give them that. What's that supposed to mean? They're unique. I don't dislike them. No, they're very unique. That's literally it. Okay, I'll let that one slide, Brats. Don't get your panties in a wad. So, uh, I don't like. We don't <laughs> like to get into like background story stuff too heavily, uh, but sort of just a general intro in terms of like how you got to what you're keeping now and sort of. Your job, obviously, you work at the zoo. So, how does that affect, you know, working with your own stuff at home? Because uh, yeah, that's that's a common thing with a lot of zookeepers. I think is not a ton of them keep a lot of stuff at home because they work with that stuff all day at at work, and then they come home and it's like, oh, I got more stuff to clean. So, how does yeah, it's you get into that position? And then how does it how does it work with what you have now? Yeah, I think it just depends on the zookeeper. For me. Um... You know, I, I had I could have other options and career paths, but this one just seemed like the most fun, the one I'd enjoy the most. And that's why I kind of followed through with it. So keeping snakes at home is not a big deal to me. It's just more fun, right? It's yeah. like I get to I get like a, I sent you a video the other day when you were talking when you were uh, inviting me on and um, with the dragon coming through the tunnel while I was pulling them in at night and uh no, I sometimes I have these epiphanies that I can't believe someone's paying me to do this. <laughs> Someone is like paying me money to like should be shift a dragon in. Yeah, I'm like like going, Hudo, come on in, buddy. Get on in here. <laughs> someone's like paying me to say that crap, you know? It's um so yeah. I, I just enjoy I enjoy it thoroughly. But um I wasn't always a reptile guy. I I didn't I mean I always grew up liking dinosaurs, like every I, who doesn't? Right. Like whether that transitions into reptiles or not is a different story. But I mean, I don't know many kids who are like, oh gosh, can you get these dinosaurs just out of my face? I've had enough of them. <laughs> Everyone loves them. These things are gross. Yeah. Whether you end up in reptiles or not, you probably loved reptiles. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I did all that. I caught snakes and 
frogs in northern Kentucky where I grew up. Uh, but I never really got into it. And it wasn't until it was maybe uh, you know, my first or second semester in college that I just happened to get a snake. And it was triggered by, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Road Trip. Um, <laughs> Mitch. And uh, Mitch. Yeah, you know, like, break the fucking mouse, Mitch. Um, but that triggered that. Python triggered me, triggered me to get that snake. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, shoot, can, can I do this? And it led me to get an internship at the Cincinnati Zoo. And once I did that, it kind of uh, gave me some direction on what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, that was back in 2001. So where I had my internship. Uh, so it was quite a while ago, but that kind of led me down the path. And, um, you know, I, I did the on again, off again college, you know, until I got my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, like three days after I graduated, I moved to Washington, D.C. and took my first job, the National Aquarium, and uh, was there for four years, went to the Bronx Zoo for a few years. Um bounced around New England a little bit while I was going through a first marriage and then came back to Cincinnati and I've been here for seven back back here for about seven years now and uh, now I've I've ended up in the Cincinnati Zoo where it kind of all began and I just love it there Um, really really high quality zoo Um, we're building a good collection there I've got a great team of people to work with I mean I there's nothing to complain about it's tough but to find something really um but uh, the tough part about working in a zoo is we have a lot of different requirements, you know, AZA requirements, yeah, uh, welfare assessments and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, whether you agree with them or not to begin with, once you start getting into it and seeing the data, seeing the evidence, it starts making you think differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's trying to wed at home now because at, at work, I fully believe we should go through all that because we have a professional capacity and we have the resources. So you really should be trying to give these animals the best possible in every sense of the word, right? If you have that capacity there, someone's paying you to do that. Uh, but it's uh, it's trying to wed the difference between that and, and your home collection yeah, where, yeah. you know, I've got you know, a closet full of UVB bulbs at work, but I don't hear because that mm-hmm. stuff's expensive. So um, I do my best to try to just make sure I treat my animals a little better. I don't like seeing into each their own. I should say that first, but personally, I don't like having, um, you know, like a hide box newspaper water bowl, just mm-hmm. not for me. Uh, they, I need them to have some type of enjoyable living uh, conditions, yeah. something stimulated. I'll throw like a, a handful of like uh, pine needles in there some some days and throw something else in there another day just to give them yeah, something the, to smell, you know, the, something super the, simple. The spark plugs moving a little bit more. Yeah. So yes. it, that, that's the hardest part. Yeah, I can. Uh, I, I feel that because like I, I do that with almost everything is like, yeah, I do have the basic like hide, water dish, you know, puppy pad, paper towels, whatever. But I almost in everything I have, I have something for them to climb on. Every single one. Something, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're getting something you're, you're being more space efficient. Yeah, exactly. You know, every every single animal I own has something to get on top of if they so choose. You know, and I always get taller hides that they can also sit on top of those if they want to. And you know, there's 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 things you can do in those minimal mm-hmm. spaces. You know, there's a lot of cheap things you can do in those minimal spaces. Oh man, yeah, you can do a lot of cheap stuff that's effective. But I just try to encourage people to not do the bare minimum. Absolutely. So don't, yeah. don't settle for the bare minimum. Yeah, you, you're physically your animal's healthy and whatnot, but um, yeah, I mean, I just like to have healthy, physically healthy, mentally healthy animals. 
it's a little tough to kind of measure mentally healthy stuff right, right now. Um, but you know the difference. I think you see behavioral changes uh, when you see that in the animals. But yeah, I don't want to go too far down that road, I guess. But at home, I'm a lot more relaxed with how I, I mean, I still use rack systems. Um, most of my adult animals have kind of transitioned into some type of caging or habitat or whatnot. But mm-hmm. what will also change your mind is or make you rethink these things is adding something other than snakes to your collection at home when you have like turtles or lizards. Uh, they have a little more charisma in my, mm-hmm. in my opinion, they, they have a little more personality. Um, and when you look at them, you think they're thinking about all kinds of stuff and it kind of makes you want to give them a little more than a snake makes you want to give them a little yeah. more. Um, so that, you know, that kind of pushes, pushes me to do different things. Like, uh, for my turtles, I offer randomized UV exposure where I, in my room, I have a, a light circuit on a timer and if you plug just an old analog timer into that, you can kind of randomize when UV lights come on or when basking mm-hmm. lights come on um, because they don't get like full sun exposure all day. Right. So um, just something really like cool that. Idea. It's like really it simple. To do. It takes no, <laughs> once you get it set up, I mean, it, it takes no, no real effort and every day is a little different, you know? So it's mm-hmm. not like every day it'll turn on at 10 to 11, maybe one day it does. And the next day, you know, might not come on until two. And then I have it set up so that if it all hits right, there are days where they just don't get any because I do think that's natural. You know, it's, that's yeah. what happens. Sometimes yeah. they don't get, you know, sun or bat or a whole lot of basking. There are cloudy days in the wild. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, for my sure. Dog. I'll say my child is <laughs> looking for my wife and I'm, yeah. Why? <laughs> now I I feel the same way about all that stuff, man. Like I don't think anything with reptiles should be on a set schedule. Like I don't feed on a set schedule. I I write down the last date I fed, and then a matter of days later, I'm like, how long has it been? Oh, I guess they could eat now, or ah, they can take a few more days. You know. Yeah, like there's something, something like to be that. said for inconsistency. Yeah, no, I absolutely think most things with them should be inconsistent because, like, obviously, obviously, there's there's a method to the madness. Like, you do it within reason, mm-hmm. but you know, letting it go a little longer or making it a little quicker is never a a bad thing. You know, because like nothing's consistent in nature, like. Yeah, it's, it's just how it is. Uh, you know, at, at the zoo, a lot of times we're forced to think things out a little further. You know, we make mm-hmm. annual diet preparations and things like that. So, uh, like my Burmese pythons at work, we have a, a larger animal, like maybe 15, 16 feet, and she's about 140 pounds when I started. And mm-hmm. I, I thought she was obese. So, uh, we started working her down a little bit, and she's lost, she's down about 105 pounds or so right now, and she looks oh. a lot better. But the way I kind of look at it is um, it gets a little too, it's, it can be tedious, but you know, I'm getting paid to do it. So it's no Mm -hmm. big deal to me. So the way we kind of work it out is, um, you know, these things are seasonal feeders typically. So um, I looked at what she had been getting fed and calculated that for a percentage body weight. And I said, okay, I need to reduce that by half this first year. So maybe she gets 40% of her body weight this year. Then how do you spread that out? Well, I kind of made four zones, you know, just mm-hmm. basically going with spring, summer, fall, and winter. Winter, she doesn't get anything. Summer, she gets fed quite a bit. And in those shoulder seasons, just a little bit. So I kind of make it so there's like these pockets where I want to get certain number of feeds in. So like in these 
in these eight weeks, I want this animal to get four meals. Now, I, if, if I want to do that one week and then two weeks later, and then four weeks later, it's whatever it is. And that, that builds flexibility in to be kind of random, like you're talking about, because one of my big pet peeves is when you ask people, a lot of people, how do they feed their reptiles? It's, well, you know, every week, every other week, every 10 days, every seven days. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people that works, if you have a big breeding operation, I mean, you got to keep things kind of scheduled to maintain and yeah, yeah. Uh, keep up with that. Sure. But in my, in the zoo application, um, and even at home, but more so at the zoo, it's a little different and you kind of want to give them something that's a little more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I try to do that. People ask me how often I feed, and it's more like a when I think about it. I tell them like, if what? I can't remember, it's probably time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, especially with chondros and and you know the brettles and I'm stuff the in particular. With the carpets, but like, with the, the colubrids, it's a little more regular. But yeah. still, I'm not like unless they're they're fresh hatchlings. I'm not I'm not going. Oh, it's day five. They got to eat. You know, once they get past that first two sheds or three sheds, whatever, then I'm like, mm, every other week, whatever. For me, it's once they get maybe pinkies. twice a week to just change things up a bit. But, you know, just yeah, not often. My thing is when they get off pinkies, when they're on pinkies, I'll yeah. hit them hard like every five days. You know, once they get off pinkies, yeah, like something more substantial. Yeah, they got a little bit more ass behind them than you can, you know. Well, there's there's always, there's no need to rush things, right? I had a yeah, baby carpet sure. python that held out for eight months, didn't have a meal. I wasn't going to force feed it and, unless it mm -hmm. really needed it, but it, it lost some weight near the end. But that animal eventually ate and grew up to be an absolutely beautiful animal. Just started um, on its own without you having to do yeah. anything as far as scenting or anything like that? It just, just took, took eight. Well, I tried all that throughout the, throughout the yeah. period it wasn't eating. And then one day I just... I don't know. I held it right or it clicked in her head and bam, she ate it and um, she took off from there. So a little stunted, but you know, I'm kind of of the opinion. I'm not going to go too uh, nuts over power or like trying to um, uh, assist feed or mm -hmm. anything. If, yeah. if, if they do, they do. I, I, I'm not banking on any, any of these animals needing them to, to survive and whatnot. So I'll give it, you know, I'm not like just saying good luck, buddy, but right. Yeah, I mean, like, because I was actually thinking about that the other, just the other day while I was driving, just thinking about stuff. Uh, like, for me, like, think of the term, like, force feeding. Like, you're you're forcing that thing to survive. Like, how how is that good? You know, like, assist, huh? <laughs> I prefer the term assist feeding. Yeah, assist feeding is, you know, whatever. You know, it is what it is, but it, it's... You know, if you're force feeding, like it's, you know, obviously there's different things like with your boyga and putting the, make, getting them to eat mouse tails. The tails, that's, yeah, I that's like a different, it's a different it's story when things on, are literally the size of a freaking noodle. Like that, yeah, that's a different uh, story. But for your, your stuff that can eat a pinky or should eat a pinky out the egg, like, in my opinion, you shouldn't force that thing to eat because at that point, I feel like you're forcing it to survive. And at that point, it's well, maybe it's how is that healthy? Like, moving forward, what's that promoting down the road? Is that promoting a bunch of more snakes that don't want to eat? You know, like I, there's, I, I think know. there's a sort of a general misconception, and not. I mean, I don't like to speak in generalizations like this, but maybe there's this idea that if it hatched. And it was clearly meant to survive, but I think it's that's probably, why they have so many eggs. Like that's why the ones that hatch, so many babies. 
there's probably a decent handful of them in the wild that probably wouldn't have. There's for one reason very likely. Other, so. Literally, literally like 90% of snakes that so has just because they came out the egg killed. alive doesn't mean they were the one that was going to, no. you know, make it to the top or the top three, whatever. I mean, if you if or you realize if every Nerodia that was born <laughs> Dude, here, if every Nerodia that was born here survived, we would be overrun with bandits and red bellies and like they have so many and it's 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 just life, man. It's nature. Like that's why they have so many <laughs> of them because those little snakes, ninety percent of them, little shits are gonna get picked off it's like, a hard debate because i'm of the opinion like you brought it into this world so you should do everything in your power to make sure it has the best chance at survival and i don't disagree but at with the same that. time i don't like i'm definitely not into the whole like oh well it, no it just doesn't eat so you know if it if it if he dies he dies kind of thing i will you know? do natural things i'll do things like you know obviously offer frozen thought offer live do the scenting thing because like scenting like that's just like, that's a natural thing you're trying to scent with something it would eat in order for it to eat something else Sometimes like that's what the recipe calls for. that's what it calls for but it's the shoving it down its throat that i'm not like i'm not gonna do that successfully I, I refuse force fed a pink a whole pinky yeah i can't do back it back in the day it depends I've on the tried. animal too but i have I, it takes a long time it takes a long time and it it usually you know, a lot of times if you do that, you end up causing more harm just yeah. doing that, forcing that thing, massaging it down the animal's throat and stuff. So, I mean, I haven't done that in a long time, but I think it's important to denote that there's a difference between force feeding and assist feeding. Yeah, like absolutely. you said, force feeding is shoving that thing down its throat. Um, but assist yeah. feeding, like we had, we hatched out oxycephalum back at the Bronx Zoo a long time ago, and uh, none of those things wanted to eat jack shit. And, mm -hmm. um, but the way we did it is I would grab a baby, put a pink head in it, frozen thawed pink head in its mouth and drop, put it, it down and freeze and the thing yep. would just eat it. So only way yep. it would eat it while we got them going. And it was like, OK, that's just what I'm going to have to do. Mm -hmm. right. um, and that's that, that's what I would consider assist feeding. You know, you just like yeah. give them a little hand like, hey, you know, this goes in your mouth, dummy. Yeah, and, no, uh, and I agree. Up. Yeah, absolutely. That and that's so, why I, that's why I specified force feeding. You know, like doing stuff like giving them a little hand, like especially for those more, you know, obscure species that are harder to get started. Like I, I don't honestly, I don't know if I would go that far with a corn snake or a rat snake. Like if it's not going to eat, I've done you know, tails alive. with some of the birds be just because. I, there's still two of those four that are just being real pains and it's yeah. like you just need something in you and hopefully it sort of gets the the system going Kick a little starts. more and maybe gets yeah sometimes you get that metabolism road. started yeah and it just kicks in but um, i'm not saying it's a bad thing to do those things and i've definitely saved my fair share but i really haven't run into that issue mm -hmm. a whole lot i think i've maybe had one maybe one or two animals and I'm not like a high volume producer of anything, but uh, maybe one or two animals throughout the last, maybe six or seven years that just a failure to thrive. Maybe. Yeah. Um, other than that, I usually just wait them out and impatient and they usually come along mm -hmm. uh, depending on this, like carpet pythons, obviously going to take, they can handle it a lot longer than something like a water snake or a garter snake. So you yeah. got to be a little more vigilant with things like those, but Anymore, I don't know why anyone would want to force feed when you can easily syringe like critical care. Yeah, you know, a high calorie, you know, supplement that's super easy to, 
you know, gavage feed like a snake. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would recommend if you had to do something like that. It's a high calorie, like carnivorous diet. You can easily pump down just a little bit. They get a ton of nutrition out of it. It gets it going. Maybe it's not a pink, but at least, you know, you're going to be good to go for a little bit. If you really yeah. want to. As a, as a kid, when we had corn snakes hatched that wouldn't eat, um, we were told to take a syringe and take some like raw egg and, and like beat it and then syringe that down. That's probably very similar high protein. Yep. Yeah. And I think there's so many different, uh, accepted methods or old school methods. Even, I mean, everyone's seen a pinky pump, right? It's one of the most (laughs) disgusting things ever. (laughs) Um, you do what works, you know, sometimes one of the, one of the easy little tricks, I mean, people talk about, um, and it's a good trick is like washing it with like Dawn dish soap and then rinsing yeah, it really well. I just started well. doing that recently. I was amazed at Man. how well that got some of mine to take that, that had been d- difficult. Try just rinsing them and, and patting them dry. That's, that has been a real help for me with rat snakes and corn snakes. Just something as simple as just rinsing them off. I don't even put soap on them. Um, and it was, what do you think the reason is that that works? Like, what do you think it is? About I think I heard that, you guys that, talking about it once before about maybe there's urine from the parents that signals, uh, you know, there was a larger rodent around or, or maybe that was NPR. Was that you I can't that remember. Mentioned but, that? We had talked about it, but I yeah, thought maybe you would I think, that. I think somebody mentioned it on a Colubrid and Colubroid first. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah, that yeah. was, I, I get my podcast confused. It was Clint. Guys, I think sorry. that, I <laughs> yeah. think that's where it came up and everybody was just kind of like, yeah, that's it. And yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think it, it, it makes sense. That's the only thing that makes sense. Cause like for me, I did that when I was trying to get a, I found out it's much easier just wait for the off season or when they get back on from off season. But I was trying to get a carpet from mice to rats would eat mice. Like it was no tomorrow, but I could not get this thing to eat a rat to save my freaking life, man. It would, I would trick it. I would wait for it to get hungry and I would stick a rat in its face in her face real quick. And she would strike it, but as soon as she'd hit it, she'd be like, Oh my God, what is this? And like, (laughs) let go of it. Like, what is Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah. like, dude, I went as far as like taking Dawn dish soap and abs- absolutely scrubbing a rat down that work? as much as I know oh. it did it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing worked. It was man. some sort of happy ending. No, like, no. I, I got no, know. this thing would not eat a rat. That's Literally what I did is when I, I cool her or I, you know, cause I do, I, for the carpets, I do more cycle feeding than cooling. I, you know, I'll let my ambience drop. I leave them with heat, but I cycle feed, you know, like you were saying with, um, with the stuff at the zoo, you know, I feed them heavier during the summer months back off a little bit during fall. And then during the winter, I cut them off completely. And that kind of, you know, that does the triggering for me. Um, but, uh, but the, you know, obviously I do let temperatures drop a little bit. Um, but I've way, I found out that if you let them go that winter without eating, once you come back during springtime to give them food, they're pretty hungry. Nearly just about yeah, and uh, they'll eat a rat. So that's what I did, and that worked. And that was no scenting, no washing, no nothing. Just straight they're rat. Desperate enough, and that's the thing that I try to remember is like they're not gonna starve themselves to death. Like it's gonna be ingrained in them to eat and live. I guess it's just a matter of like it's like a game of chicken, where it's like who's gonna be the one to to <laughs> give in first, kind of thing. Dude. I don't, I don't know. I just have a very. Maybe when you're tired of wasting rats, you're like, okay, yeah. no, yeah. I'm not thawing another rat. I'm, I'm done. Bro. I already know yeah. you're not gonna eat, dude. So yeah. I had this is you know off, a little off topic, but the first, well, I'll say the second because the first snake I had 
was a corn snake that died in my hands. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, um, no, yeah, we God. remember you. I told that story a long time ago. You started playing a song that was all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember that? That was like at the beginning. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, it's like dying in your arms or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was. Just dying in your arms. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, it was terrible. Um, but anyway, so after that, I got a ball python, and that one lived for many, many years. But ball pythons, as most people know, have a knack, especially males, for going off food once they hit maturity. Now, I've heard the average to be like three to six months, they'll go on a sabbatical. Okay. My ball python did not eat a single meal for a year and a half. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> this thing did not eat for a year and a half. And I always kept clean water, always gave it what it needed. And it dropped a little bit. And one day it just ate frozen thawed out of nowhere. And like nothing it, had ever happened. And, and it continued on. It continued on. Yeah, he was a savage from there. I don't know what it was, dude, but it was the worst feeling. But like he always he was drinking, seemed healthy, was active still. But... Yeah, they they know what they want more than we do a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and oh that there's uh that old saying like listen to your animal it'll tell you what it needs. Yeah, like sometimes though. Condros you don't. Condros just Yeah. Well, I, but if unless you put their a, face in the ground, if you're putting something in their face, like, um, I mean, you, it's easy to overfeed animals, right? Like most oh, of the yeah. time be like, yeah, keep feeding me, man. I, yeah, I mean, let's go. It's a hard life, you know? <laughs> so yeah, they'll tell you what you want to a degree, but they'll also tell you what they want till they die too. So it's, it's like this uh, balancing act. You got to remember to keep in, keep in yeah. check. Right. Um, yeah. like Savannah monitors. I mean, those things will eat till the, as long as you'll keep feeding them. But I mean, I think in, in the wild, they, you know, hibernate or brumate or whatever the accepted mm -hmm. term is now. And for months and don't eat anything. When you keep them at those high temperatures, they think like it's endless summer. Like mm -hmm. I got to keep getting ready for winter, man. Keep feeding me. Yeah. I have seen some fat Savannah monitors. So that does explain a lot. Yeah. yeah you've and probably seen the quite a few fat reptiles. And that's yeah. why it's how I always tell people, I'm like, reptiles and you know especially snakes are what you call opportunistic feeders because they're always like in the wild in their head i don't know if i'm going to keep getting food so i'm going to eat anything i can get my freaking mouth around mm -hmm. you know so if they have the opportunity to eat most snakes will because it's ingrained in their brain to this may not always be here you know take the opportunities that you're given because i could get skinny i could do this you know whatever but they can't turn that off. These could you be know? my last words. Exactly. You know, but they, they can't stop thinking like that. So they will just eat, you know, and you have to regulate that. Yeah. Well, even subliminally, right? What is uh, a lot of keepers, you can apply this to zoos or you can apply this to the private hobbyists is when do you have the most, uh, usually the most interaction with your animals, either cleaning or feeding. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you know, you, you still love looking at animals. I still love interacting with the animals and one of the easiest ways to interact is to feed. Yep. It also makes you feel that, okay, this one's healthy. So it's just so easy to get yourself in the, in kind of the role and be like, here you go. Yeah. Yes, well, that, yeah. You the, ate again. The yeah. day to day too, of just daily life. And you like forget that. 
the last time you interacted with that animal was you fed it. And so it's like, Oh, it's probably time to feed it again. You know, like you get yeah. so caught up in everything else that you, maybe you forget that, you know, and I, I, I don't know. And especially with yeah, some I mean, of your, like your more common species, like, you know, carpets and, and, you know, various North American colubrids, like they, they're very active animal as it is. So like a lot of times, as soon as they've digested their food, they'll be out checking things out when you are. And if you don't know exactly what you're looking at, like you'll be like, Oh, it's hungry. I guess I should feed it. Cause it's hungry. I can't tell you how many times my dad has walked in my snake room and been like, that was that one at the front. I'm like, cause it's probably hungry. <laughs> Well, why don't you feed it? Because it just ate a week ago. Katie says that all the time. You know, like this, this is like this, this is a six foot carpet python that gets you know a medium <laughs> to large rat you know a month, and I'm just like, yeah, it ate he's, a week ago. Well, isn't it do? No, it's actually not at all. You know, so man, if I fed like my snakes every time they were hungry, like I feed myself every time I'm hungry. I mean, just <laughs> I'm a large human, so it's <laughs> it's. You know, I, I I wish I could regulate myself, but you know, <laughs> it's easier for them. I think yeah. even on a conservative feeding schedule with with snakes in particular, I still think even that is probably a Too little much. bit more than more a little bit more than it even needs to be. But like see, I can yeah. feed like that male brettles python I had. I would feed. I tried to feed him once a month, but there would be sometimes where I'd be like, he doesn't need it. How well, many see, meals that's... do you think they even eat, though? In exactly, the wild? especially bigger, bigger. Oh. Well, see, that's like, you know, but that, that's what I was like gonna say, though. Like, I feel like maybe because, like, yeah, we do see you see all the pictures of you know these amethystine pythons and and, and carpets eating these massive meals in the wild, and like, yeah, but you also don't know the little stuff mm -hmm. that they're grabbing. So, like, I I've also been having this like wonder, like. I wonder if they're taking more small, like they're getting the big stuff that they can get. Yeah. But how do we know they're not taking the smaller stuff as it comes along? Right. Like, how are do they we know they are exactly? They so it's are. like, it just, how, how do we know it takes that a half hour to eat a wallaby or something? So that's easier to catch on film. <laughs> it might yeah, take, exactly. you know, six minutes to eat a, a small, you know, Fruit rodent. So yeah, yeah, yeah you know, exactly. might miss, it's easy to miss that. So I feel like those, like, I, I don't know. I could be completely full of shit on this, but I'm just, you know, again, one of those things I think about while I'm driving, you know, endlessly is like, you know, I want, I would almost bet that they eat more of the smaller things more often. So it's like, are we, cause like we naturally feed pre pretty much the biggest, Remember, you know, most you people, want the food item to be, yeah. You the, we give them a little these, bigger than the head, exactly. Is the rule, you know, or like the as big around as they yeah, are, the, the you know, that the, the midsection, you know, so that's like the general rule of thumb. But it's like, how do we know that feeding, you know, a six, a six foot carpet, like, how, how do we know feeding that thing, you know, adult mice once a week or once every 10 days is better than that one giant beefy rat a month or every month and a half, whatever. You know, like I still think it's good to just mix it up regardless. No, yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree. Think a dynamic like, feeding regimen is your best bet, probably. No, just absolutely. Just prey type and prey size, but man, yeah, just to further home this point, I, we sent a, a guy to the in 2019 to the Biology of the Pit Viper conference out in uh, Rodeo, New Mexico, mm, um, nice. and he came back and told me about this one presentation where they followed—I can't remember what species—but uh, of rattlesnake up in the Pacific Northwest, and the males 
on average would eat one meal per year. Now, granted, you got to remember that they they brumate, you know, so they're inactive for like half the year. But one meal, the males, that's all they really needed to get the juices flowing to feel good and go mate and then go hide. Mm-hmm. You know what? Wow. I, that's incredible. I mean, that's probably very minimalistic, but I wouldn't be shocked. Would you guys be shocked to know that? Or would you guys no. be shocked if they yeah. said, hi, this adult Brettles python eats uh, two meals a year? Yeah. No. We'd be like, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that could make sense when you really stop and think about it. We just don't know a lot. Well, maybe we do. I mean, that new Carpet Python book is coming out. You might see some more info in there. But, but yeah, we we, there's still a lot of stuff we just don't know. Like actual growth rates of young neonate snakes. Mm -hmm. Like anything we're studying is most likely laboratory regulated. Exactly. In situ stuff. Um, I think you see the same in turtles. You see absolutely accelerated growth rate like when you think of turtles if most people think it takes a while for them to mature right it's always like these turtles are imperiled because they don't reach sexual maturity for like 92 years <laughs> um, but a lot of them it's you know in the like box turtles usually like you know you know six to ten years is when they hit sexual maturity but really? like, not in captivity i was gonna say in captivity, oh, wow. they like... eat like crazy and they grow super fast and um you know, they're in Galapagos tortoises. It's a well-known, we call it grocery-osis, where they eat tons of produce, um, mm-hmm. which is not good for them because it's really high-nutrient, high-calorie uh, stuff that's really generated, you know, for us, um, where they've evolved to eat just a whole lot of nothing, you know, like lots of grass. I mean, they eat sticks. They, like, literally <laughs> just eat sticks. So they they fiber. love, yeah, so they eat a lot, a lot, a lot, but there's not supposed to be much in it. And what happens is their body grows really fast, but their organs have trouble catching up. And they have like you, you uh, see like they yeah so it produces irreversible issues that are um, that have been um, rectified for the most part and I, I think um, Colette Adams down in um, uh, what is it Gladys Porter Zoo mm-hmm. and um, Ashley down there Ortega has done some really awesome work and talk with them a lot but yeah we we feed our Galapagos tortoises at the zoo just lots and lots of just what we call browse stuff mm-hmm. that we go and cut down along the zoo um, what about we have a big uh, farm. some of those species that are eating like carrion and stuff like redfoot's eating eating mice. Dude, they've always been eating that like, like that new uh that newer article that um was talking about the aldabra that was chasing down that baby bird and yeah. i don't know if you guys saw that that's nothing new i mean if if you've been working you with giant turv you get chased down by an aldabra you weren't meant to live in the first place like <laughs> well that's why Darwin they don't already specialize in you yeah, that's why they don't specialize in eating live prey. You were it's not easy not for the them pittest. to catch. They yeah. just grab but the I mean, stuff they have that's handed to them, man. But <laughs> even at the zoo, right? I, during the summer, we they have access to their outdoor yard overnight because you know they're it's fine. The temperatures are great. Nothing's gonna hurt them. Um, but I mean, I find solid bones in their stools. Like oh we don't God. feed them. We don't feed them that stuff, <laughs> you know. Or we find I found a hat like a young possum it. bitten in half, like an obvious tortoise. No bite. way! They like any turtle or tortoise is going to take brutal. advantage of a high calorie, high protein food item when it's there. That's There's a, a colleague of mine at the uh, uh, National Zoo. They have Aldabras there, and she told me like they. They'll lift themselves up, and when like a small bird or mammal go underneath them, they'll drop themselves and smash it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they back up and then eat it. What? Are yeah, you this kidding is, me? This is absolutely nothing new. That's insane. Um, these, yeah, they eat grasses because it's easy to catch grass. 
And it was a lot harder to go. It's a lot harder to like hunt down a rat or something. Grass doesn't run from catch grass. Yeah. But Redfoot's oh box turtles, man. Box turtles are and Canixus, to be honest, like the <clears throat> the homie I saw Anna a picture on Instagram of, of a Canixus eating some cut up mice or something earlier. Oh, I give it to them whole. But like when I feed them whole prey items, I want them to use all these muscles in their neck and their mm -hmm. you know their arms, and that's yeah. all one of the points. Yeah. Sounds but they'll messy. rip it apart, man. There's just <laughs> I have an Weird. old video on my Instagram somewhere. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. Like, that uh, crap is brutal, man. They're just like <laughs> Well, I go from like the soft music of the pancake tortoises eating their delicate little yeah. plants and then pan over to like, uh, like, uh, what's that song? Ah, shoot. Dude, you should have done Rage Against the Machine, like rally around the family. And it's the box <laughs> turtles just crushing mice. Like, <laughs> they're just like, whatever. You should use that song. Let the body set the fuck. <laughs> oh, Slipknot or something. Oh man, that's hilarious. Yes, yeah, so, I mean turtles man. are turtles are actually pretty gross they're for the most part. They're savages, man. They're savage. They smell. They shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, no yeah, fresh freaking... water is safe. <laughs> Dude, it's I immediate. Love box turtles, though, man. I absolutely. Oh. I geek. I geek every single time I find we have a some box really turtle. pretty ones here. Yes, dude. Yeah, so our some real our eastern box turtles, turtles are absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Just like the corn I, snakes, just highlighter orange on some of them. Dude, I, were just like, I, I had to wear geek. sunglasses to look at them. They were just like, I geek out oh. every single time I find them. Man. I love them. I can't keep eastern box turtles in Ohio. Uh, Otherwise, nice. I'd have them. But I do have Florida box turtles, and and they rock. We have two They're kinds. Really cool. We have two kinds of box turtles here, and I should know it. That's, we? It's the eastern. I and know we have easterns. I don't know. There's Carolina. A, no, I don't remember. I don't I this is why we're snake guys, huh? This yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm more of a turtle guy, and I don't know what else is down there. Hold on, I'm gonna really. I do I'm love like, pancake yeah, tortoises, though. I, I could be. Polite. Oh, you can't go wrong with pancakes, dude. That if I, I was gonna them. keep any any colonian. As far as tortoises go, it would be the be the Conexus or pancakes, but probably pancakes. Well, let me uh, pancake and someone else who is taking care of pancakes, please chime in at some point. But every pancake tortoise I've ever taken care of at the many places I've worked at have a distinctive, terrible smell. Like if you actually pick them up and <laughs> smell general. them, they just have it's like that's a pancake tortoise smell. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but they everywhere I've been. You know, across the country, that they've all had like a very distinctive, not so pleasant like smell. It's not overpowering, like you're like, God, get him out of here, but that's not great. <laughs> I had a Herman's so, as a kid, and it was fun. Oh, I, I thought about getting Eastern uh, Herman's tortoises. Like when I started getting into tortoises, I started off with uh, Conixus because I, I went to uh, the Turtle Survival Alliance conference in 2018 and saw this poster of Conixus homiana that were going to be listed do you like mm -hmm. how i look over here like i'm looking at the poster right. you're with yeah, me you're you're there you see, i'm looking i can I'm looking see it at in your poster. eye yeah flashbacks <laughs> and it and it hit me like ah oh, some of these animals that are common and they're imported like crazy they're just not going to be around someday mm -hmm. uh so i wanted tortoises and i made the choice to go to homiana so i started doing research and stuff and and looking at who's breeding and what i wanted to do and homiana was the one i chose and that's where i ended up you know talking to jeremy thompson and I uh, got my first couple from him. And now I have a 2.4 group that I work wow. with. But um, shoot, I just went down a line. I didn't know where I was starting. Well, why Sometimes are they considered like the trash? One. Why are they considered the trash tours? Ah, because they're always 
it's not just them. It's, I, I use that not the trash tortoise, but a trash <laughs> animal. You like can, the pop ones of the, of the know, tortoise world where they're just no, man. I wish, but you've seen some of these pop ones that are coming in or the pop one carpet pythons. Yeah, people are, now people are charging like 600 freaking dollars for like an imported yeah. animal. It's like, no, they're, they've they've come to uh, fruition, I think. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. The colubrids are just flying up in, in mm. price. I had to readjust prices as coming. Um, season now that a lot of my stuff's eating but no a lot of those things i think because they're cheap right yeah mm-hmm. it's like oh they're cheap there's always a bunch in that bin at the reptile show um i don't actually think they're trash tortoises that's that's false that's not what i'm trying to convey i'm just trying to that's i think that's a general a view of a lot of people like um another turtle species that could just kind of disappear one day are rhinoclemmies the uh, central american wood turtles mm-hmm. like, you can go to a show most of those shows and get like the the man eye, those real pretty ornate ones for like sixty bucks a piece. Um, I think P and Cody have one of those. I don't know what species it is. I wouldn't doubt. Cool. Yeah, and they're cool. And there's a lot. I mean, think about red eye croc skinks, mm-hmm. um, European legless lizards, um, things like that. Any like I love seeing everyone working with these Madagascan hognose snakes now. Madagascan species mm-hmm. are to me like a no brainer. Go ahead and start working with them because someday you don't know what's going to happen, but someday Madagascar. That habitat's going to be gone. They're not mm-hmm. going to let anybody export, and it's we're going to be left with what we have. So sadly, that's um, the case with a lot of places, though. It seems you know there's yeah, that's like, true. South Africa is done. You're not getting yeah. There's already South countries Africa we take it for soon. granted. You know, like Tanzania and uh, yep. I know there's a couple other African countries that stuff just doesn't come from anymore that used to be really popular for yeah. export. And, yeah, and a lot of them had super cheap animals that came in for import, and everyone was like, "Ah, they'll always be there." Yeah. Ceratophora. Uh, so, I mean, the the you know the atheruses, bush vipers. You know, those used well, to be a dime a dozen. Now, there's so few people have them in the states now that they're they're they quadrupled in price, and they're really hard to find now. But I remember there was a time, uh, you know, eighteen years ago, seventeen years ago, where they were all over king snake and they were cheap they were like squams you know they were super easy to get a hold of and now they're almost non-existent it's, it's wild they just completely yeah. slipped out from under us and no one seemed to really notice <clears throat> there's just because there's so many species of reptiles and amphibians there's just so many that are going to do that mm-hmm. so i mean i'm not saying everybody needs to go out and get some of these animals but yeah i i think it's i think it's totally um a cool thing to do to just dedicate a little bit of space to something like that. If you have the opportunity, uh, the Conixus, I mean, I'm working, I'm trying to work with the, the Conixus working group and just mm-hmm. make sure we have genetically diverse lines of these animals. Uh, I don't, I don't really even care if I, I'm not looking to sell anything, looking to trade and bar and like do that kind of stuff with it. Same with the, um, my Langaha, you know, I'm Dude, keeping them just because they're so fun to keep. Cool. They are unique. I need to get a bigger. I'm working on getting a bigger setup for those guys. But um, Nipper they has are really them and fun. He, to, he loves them. They're amazing. I've probably bought six of them so far, but so far I've found about fifty percent make it. It just depends on mm-hmm. how big they are when they come in, and some are just loaded with parasites and I just believe. have been dehydrated. So I'm lucky that I have a male and two females at the moment, um, and they are. They've been pretty rock solid. Um, the three that I do have eight frozen thawed brown anoles right off the bat. Uh, so super mm-hmm. kind of. That's easy. the only reason I, I haven't pulled the pulled the 
trigger on him because I, I know that I'd really enjoy him, especially talking to Nipper about him a little bit, but I just I don't really feel like dealing with lizards. You know, we have animals everywhere here. They're everywhere. Yeah, don't feed out I the green ones, they would take the. <laughs> they probably would take the turkey Medi- geckos. The Mediterraneans. Because we have the Mediterranean yeah, geckos here. Like the Mediterranean house geckos. It is. I wonder if it they would. It's not a big deal to get brown. Like those, I mean, they're. Yeah. I mean, do you just yeah, sorry. I think we got a lot of people talking. Peter, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they take uh, the geckos, but I, the brown and I mean, I I order them in large numbers, euthanize them, and freeze them. Um, okay. I've never had a problem ordering them, and I just mm-hmm. and lizards thaw out so much quicker than like small rodents. So I can just remember to do it, and within 30 minutes, just at room temperature, I feed them, and they they hit them hard. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do They're, you get you brown really and from? Um, I order from a company called Lime Tree Reptiles. I think they just specialize, I think, in like collecting a lot of the invasive stuff down in Florida. So they come from Florida. I mean, they were they've been really good to me. I usually place like an order of uh, like two hundred at a time, and they're a dollar a piece. Get them shipped overnight, and uh, you know, euthanize them, and and then I I put them in. Uh, I <laughs> I vacuum seal them into like mm-hmm. packs of twenty. I'm a little crazy about it because i just don't want them to get freezer burn because i use them for so long but right i only feed them like once or twice a month at the most they really seem to subsist on on very little so uh but right now i've been feeding a little more and uh my females occasionally i can get them to take like a like a small like a large pink or a small fuzzy just to Mm -hmm. get a little more weight on them because i'm hoping that they might yeah just just to kind of fatten them up a little bit, and hopefully they're like, "Oh yeah, maybe I should breed." Um, <laughs> but if they don't, they don't. Um, I'm not really planning on it. I'm hoping. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're all right, man. Yeah. Uh, so, but they're just a fun species to work with. They're always doing something cool. I mean, shit. They they like spread their necks like a cobra, like a lot of snakes do. They look. They're it's it's kind of intimidating even from that little tiny mm-hmm. thing. Um, they're movement oriented. I mean, they're like lizards, the way they react to movement, um, short, quick bursts, they, they'll be right there. Any movement in the cage, if they'll try to bite tongs, you know, that's moving. That's my, that's probably food. Um, they don't take up a lot of space, but I give them, they have UV. I give them, make sure they have access to UV and live plants. And mm-hmm. I don't have necessarily bioactive substrate, but, uh, I throw, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic last year, I had my daughter collect me some isopods from the backyard, just normal ones. And we culture the absolute bejesus out of those things. And, um, it's not very difficult. So I throw them in all my, most of my, um, habitats. Like I just throw them in there. They're yeah, exceptionally man. helpful in the, uh, Conixus cause they eat poop. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Plenty of I like those around. things. So yeah there really is but i don't pull much poop out of my conixus anymore mm-hmm. um usually they go in the water though because that's what tortoises do one of the last repticons i was at i saw some and this was a while this is probably two years ago um someone was selling some langaha for like 60 bucks a piece it was very tempting oh. I was like i don't feel like dealing with dealing with this man i would have bought like 10 of them yeah <laughs> like if they had them for like that those cheap. are really well this was before sort of the magazine and you know Nipper did an article on him not that long ago, and he, me and him, I've chatted to him about him too, and he's like, "Dude, you totally need to get some." But I'm like, I don't really feel like dealing with lizards, even though lizards are everywhere, and sort of the same reason I don't like. I'd love to do some stuff with eastern hogs, but having those off months where we don't see toads, 
Well, you, know, like you can, just, but see, there's ways around uh, that because there there's plenty of, there's plenty of people, there's plenty of people that get hog. You can buy hogs that are already eating rodents. Like, yeah, for like $400. A yeah, lot of times well, they, they you switch want a hog off or? Of yeah. A lot of times they can switch off of rodents. You got to get them back on. But again, like in this day and age, it's not difficult to get prey items. When I lived in Kentucky, uh, I had a permit and I collected a, a wild, a melanistic hog nose that was gravid and. Uh, she laid eggs. I, I put the female back, hatched them all out. And um, well, first, one thing that's neat. Have you ever seen like Eastern hognose eggs? They're like little tiny mm-hmm. water balloons. They are super soft and real tiny. That's and weird. when they hatch, they they shed immediately after they hatch, like within seconds after they hatch, they just start shedding. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's real weird. I was like, huh. Like, I guess I should have read up on this a little more. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a common species we have here, and there's more than enough toads to go around. It's just one of those things where it's like, now I got to go and collect toads and make sure I have enough. Well, for, you know, see, I'd make up somebody else like, do that. Uh, I, I can't remember <laughs> who I used to use, but I I ordered 60 uh, live uh, small green tree frogs. And, Tons of those, uh, too. I, I euthanized those and froze them individually, and every single one of those eastern uh hognose ate a green tree frog from tongs huh and it, it was super yeah. easy i try to I, feed that i still have some of those frogs in my freezer and i try to feed my lingaha every now and then and they they hit them hard and they get to the legs and they can't like even though it's small i don't know what it is they just can't get past the legs so i always find a spit up frog every now and then when i try so mm. cut off oh, cut wow. off the cut off the legs man that's, a, oh, that's yeah. what I, I, there I you are spitting obvious stuff that I, take your like, wife's favorite pair of scissors and just use those because <laughs> that's what i that's what i'll do with pinkies with really that's tiny scissors. like really tiny colubrids i'll cut the arms off pinkies because they always have a hard time getting the past Lieutenant the shoulders so i just cut off the the arms right at the shoulders and it just is a little bit more seamless getting down I, I always feel bad when I see them struggling. They get and then they're both arms like on each side of their face and they're <laughs> trying to like push down. And I, I feel bad for them. Struggle. So now they gotta work for that crap around me. I'm not cutting <laughs> off little legs. That's too much. No, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, getting clear. Oh, my rat snakes, my my method is I'm sure it's very common method is I get them to strike the pink until it like gets caught in their teeth and then you just freeze and let go. <laughs> yeah. And then like, Oh, okay. I guess this is a mouse. And then they just eat it. Yeah. I did that with chondro babies and now I do it with rat snakes. I'm like, look, I did that with those. I'm not doing that with you. Like yeah. you're a rat snake. You're supposed to eat normally yeah. without, without issue. Are, are That's, all your reds proof. rocking and rolling now, Ryan? Yeah, I had, so I had a clutch of 12 or 14, two eggs went bad, six hatched. And then the other six, um, they didn't hatch. And I, What's- I cut them up. My Okatees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were all kinked up, and I don't know what the uh, heck that was about. So I don't know if that's like inbreeding or if I I read how, somewhere that it's potentially like the substrate was too wet. I don't really know. What did you uh, incubate so at? Room temp. So it's probably anywhere from, uh, I think it cycled from 75 to 81 was probably anywhere yeah, in that a, range. A steady 95. Cause, cause I've heard like, you know, anything like in anything, if it gets any higher, you can get a lot of kinking and stuff like that and eggs. And, yeah, It may have happened where I, ha- I had them up. So it may have been a little warmer, um, but I've always hatched my rat snakes out that way too. Yeah. And, no. uh, so I, I didn't have like any. You, you breed rat snakes. Yeah, so. It could just be the, like a genetic. But it's my piece. first corns. Yeah. Our, our buddy, Mike Kosicki just hatched some keys. And he had a couple that came out with really kinked like tails and, and back halves. 
So I wonder if yeah, it's just a, a who knows. I mean, the Sherman it. line is a very, you know, it's a line bred thing, so you never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I saved them. I have an Easter uh, Virginia Beach locality, Eastern King, and so he's got six corn snakes he's going to eat. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Like, nothing, get, nothing goes to waste, man. This is the one thing Easterns yeah. are good for. I want to get a I want to get a pair of kings, basically for that purpose, like to eat the extra stuff and to like dead snakes, you know, like. Be, be See, I went on a tear after rereading uh, Snakes and Snake Hunting again, and I was just like, why don't I have Okatee Corns? That is silly. <laughs> why don't I have Eastern... Why don't I have Chain King somewhere? That is silly. Um, yes. So, I, you know, I just reached out to Howie Sherman and uh, got him from him himself. So, um, if you haven't bought from me, like, that guy is hilarious, and he's really nice and really easy. Yeah, to work we, actually with. Got, we actually got That's to awesome. meet him at Daytona. Uh, I haven't met him yet. Hopefully, I'll go to Daytona next year. Dude, uh, come on. Things settled man. down. I've been trying the to holy, go for years. but The holy four were there. Tony D, Howie Sherman, Trumbauer, and Lee Abbott. Yep. Oh, yeah. The four horsemen. And it's Florida. Like, yeah. Florida just... I like the idea of Florida, Florida man. I like it hot and humid. The winter is like Sicko. my... Oh, I can't. The winter is the worst thing that's ever been created. I can't stand it. <laughs> like, why do you want to go outside where like the cold hurts your face? It's just... I'm a weirdo. I roll my have my windows down in winter. But see, right like we around. also it feels we, good. But we also live in coastal South Carolina. He lives in course. Cincinnati, so there's a very big difference just, between our winter and I'd his rather winter. be cold than hot, dude. We have single digits during the day. No, man, it's, we don't. We don't. Stupid. We don't it's get great. that here. A cold what day. Is, a cold day for here during the day is like. 35 say we're lucky to oh, even get below like, 20. and that's during the day like at night if it gets to 20 <laughs> it's freaking cold yeah that's that sounds deal. fine to me man that's um but you know i have a wonderful family and a, and a great job so i'm i'm not leaving but there i can always go. dream you can't go can find o- you can't you can go find okati corns say, out all there the, uh, all the other that's true, but I've, just come down here in the winter and then go back up there in the summer oh uh, yeah if the i had a job where i could do that yeah i would yeah. definitely at least um yeah i I guess yeah i just really hate winter uh spring and fall are fine winter sucks yeah i I dread it every year just like it's here we go here we go again yeah (laughs) oh here's another winter like now uh, i know our highs are now like mostly in the low 80s so it's coming i just see it coming like uh so but that's when like breeding snakes is like fun for the at least like the carpets, like I put my carpets together like the first week of de- December. And so it's like, okay, well, at least there's something fun to do. Like, oh, hopefully they'll breed. Didn't you breed chondros last year? Nah, nah. No. I had uh, I had Lock City. I had a pair of sarong localities that uh, I was really enjoying and they just never did it. And part of my Jerry Maguiring, um, they didn't make the cut. You know, maybe so that's they, why I remember you selling them, and maybe I thought you I did, them. I did, and uh, yeah, they went to some great. Uh, Patrick Holmes got the female, oh, okay. and Tori Dentler took my my male, and uh, I'm really happy that those two got those animals. I put a lot of time into those, and um, they were wonderful. They're mean. I thought sarongs were supposed to have this like more laid back, stereotypical attitude, and they just did not have it's that attitude. Pretty equal opportunity to you know there. throughout the locales. There's really anybody who thinks that summer. I mean, Beox or any the people are like, Beox aren't that bad. It's like, no, I mean, pretty much all the ones I've had all, oh. you know, minus like the one that I produced or the one holdback I kept and then the female that produced them. Uh, but all my other ones are just, they're, they're 
douchebags, man. They're horrible. Yep. Mine were mean. I've got some designer stuff them. that's just not friendly. You know, I've got some designer stuff that's really fired up and and it is what it is. Yeah. But so I, I thought that that would be better. And I thought they were a little smaller. And I love that blue striping down the back and tipping. So I was like, ah, that'll be cool. Kept them for a number of years. And I lo- I don't care that they sit on a stick. That doesn't bother me. I think they look great. Um, but they just, they didn't measure up to other projects that I'm working mm-hmm. on. And I'm running out of space. And sure. uh, those damn turtles, man, they just take up <laughs> so much room. They yeah. just clobber your room like way more than I thought. So but yeah, I'm moving forward. Now I'm trying to collect black rats. Um, I've always loved yeah. black rats. I have my, I don't know if you've seen those Hermline albinos that I work with, but yeah, yeah man. I, I think there might be some hypo in there too. I don't know what's going on. I talked with Clint about it recently and those things, the pictures don't do them justice, man. Those things are, are sensational. So, but I was looking out, like trying to find what other localities of black rats are there. And it's basically Spartanburg. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. That's the most common one. Absolutely. That's all they're really. I did pick up from a friend of mine some uh Berkshire County, Massachusetts locality rat snakes, F1s from a real nice. old pair of black rats, which you can't take anything out of Massachusetts anymore. Um, or you can't for the last 20 years. So I'm guessing this person had very old <laughs> animals, I'm hoping. Um so well, that's exciting. Uh, but there's really nothing, nothing else. Like it's Spartanburg yeah. and I, I've got a pair of Spartanburgs myself, and don't you? I really like the Spartanburgs because of how black they are. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they pretty much are the blackest of the black rats. You know, and I think that's probably why they're the locality and the hobby. But I am planning on going to Kentucky sometime next spring, in hopes of oh. hopes of collecting some uh, black rats out that way to spice it up a little bit so if i find some extras i'll keep you posted man well i can't keep those because the ones in kentucky are most likely technically classified as spoloides and uh, those are the ones that are native to ohio so i can't keep those uh, the ones i have are alle- technically alleghenyensis so uh yeah. regardless of how everyone feels about the taxonomy it is helpful for me uh technically and <laughs> so for me, it allows me to keep the animals that I yeah, have now. So for sure, um, I forget about those laws that you guys have. Uh, what are you gonna do, right? Yeah, it sucks. I've never been. I don't know. Black rats have never, never done much for me. Yeah, I like the brindles. Dude, they're, they're North American pythons. Yeah, yeah they're, they're just North American pythons. They're a classic animal for East Coasters. Like, uh, I just can't get enough of them. I've always I, liked them. They've always been my favorite North American snake. For me, it's the yellows, man. I I grew. I guess because it's yeah. It's, for me, it's a lot of that. That yeah, we don't get blacks down here. That stuff. Yeah, exactly. The stuff that the the North American stuff you like is the stuff you saw growing up. So for me, it's like the yellows really really do it for me, you know. And I didn't grow up catching grays or anything, but uh, I do love I do love grays, obviously. Oh, yeah, I just I just sent you guys a photo. Oh. That's a yearling. And what is what what is that? That's a Berkshire County. Berkshire County. That's awesome, dude. I think they're gonna be very, very dark. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's but that's what I like. That nice black coloration and that nice white chin. I mean, that's yeah. I love the white about, the white chin on black rats, man. That's yeah, yep. that's, that's one of my favorite things. They're awesome. But yeah, I'm really excited to watch mine grow up because like right now they're really blotched and have like the black yeah. saddles and they're still gray and 
So I'm I'm excited to watch them, you know, change and go go towards more of the Lord. jet black. Um, I think uh, the cooler areas tend to have the darker specimens. I think Spartanburg. Are you getting? I don't. I'm not too familiar with that area, but are you starting to get close to the mountains out there? Yeah, that's, that's like northern. Yeah, top, Spartanburg's top of the state. Sort yeah, of corner where it meets uh, like Kentucky and. North Carolina and I think Tennessee is Tennessee. Gonna, is that where they all sort of converge at that point? Spartanburg, kind of. That's not where I thought Spartanburg was. I mean, it's it's upstate <laughs> for sure. Like it's the complete opposite of where we are. Oh yeah, I need that. Hold up, I'm about to look. South Carolinian, my ass. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. It's basically it's up towards Greenville. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's it is the mountains. And coastally, you start seeing all the stripes and all the rat snakes. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the yellows down here. Yeah, my mom lives in Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, I look on iNaturalist. Look at what the rat snakes look like there, and they look to most people. I think they'd look super dull, but uh, I think I really like those animals. They're like very yeah. gray. With I don't know if they're in the greenish rat kind of zone or not, mm -hmm. but right. I think I might need to look at the legality of getting some of those guys and. Uh, having them in in the house, <laughs> so you you can't keep spilotes. No, mm. no, um, they're native. They're technically a native animal to uh, to Ohio. So I need to get a permit, and it's not too difficult to get a permit. Uh, but they have to come inspect your house and stuff. And like, I don't uh -huh. have anything at all that is remotely like i just don't like the thought of somebody coming in my house to be quite honest yeah no i'm no, i'm so, right there with you man uh, and anything native has to be pit tagged um things like that so i just nah, I, I just won't keep native no, stuff I, I feel you man it's it is what it is that sucks but you know no, it is what it is. We all have to deal with stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Just, you just do what you can. I don't. I don't mind. I think a lot like of we can't. Things, uh, we can't even sell rat snakes over. Was it thirteen? Or it depends on the species, but like twenty inches for corn snakes. You, can't sna you now can't sell corn snakes. Uh, is it just corns, or is no? It like it depends on the the speech. Like rat snakes and stuff. I think it's twenty inches. I think it's a little different for the some of the other groups, but. Yeah, there's a certain the rat, size the rat where snake you can sell group, yeah, animals and corn snakes in particular in South Carolina. They have to be under 20 inches now for you to be yeah. able to sell them. So, so kind of like you have to prove they're kind of captive bred. They're yeah, kind of trying I, to curtail even, the. But even if they're not captive bred, like you can still field collect. Like you could go field collect an adult, but you couldn't sell it. Right. But you oh, could gotcha. also you could field collect a baby. It, but you could sell it because it's under twenty inches. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's, I mean, for no recruitment really, that helps. Yeah, no, for no sure. one's you really going out and selling wild caught corn snakes in massive numbers, at least as adults. You know, right? Yeah, but you take out the adults and you hit recruitment hard, right? right. I mean, yep. uh, I had uh, for work. I collected some Pascagoula map turtles, uh, kind of put together an assurance calling because they're only found in the Pascagoula River drainage in Mississippi, and you know we targeted yearlings you know mm -hmm. yearlings and, and and close to that because they are going to have the least amount of impact on the pop on the yeah. existing populations and right so i wonder if it's kind of trying to do something like that where obviously you know it's not going to be foolproof nothing is going to be foolproof but i wonder they're just trying to like you know well the adults have already made it they're already people. there they're already at the top they've they've gone yeah. through the trials of of going from 
neonates to adults and so it's like why would you take that out if it's already successful yeah i wouldn't be i wouldn't be mad if they said you can't even collect them you know as it says you know you can collect adults still but you can't sell you can't sell them so that's the stipulation like, but you yeah, know i'm not i'm not big on collecting adults you know as it is i wouldn't be mad if they said you can't even collect them you know that's anything uh, I, I keep i'd try to make sure it's yeah a yearling small. or smaller if it's yeah. like a massive corn snake it's like i'm not gonna take that yeah it's no like, anything already, adult it's already here i want those genes to be passed on because it's clearly done right. something right and mm -hmm. for sure know, there's, for a, sure. there's an ethical crossroads i guess for some there but everything is complex man yeah <laughs> in some way uh, that's for um, sure but yeah, I was happy to hear that you were getting into colubrids and rat snakes, Jake. Because uh, yeah, I I dig them a lot. So yeah. the more people that see them, the better. Dude, I'm I'm really really enjoying them. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because it's new and it's fun right now. But I I don't know. I'm I'm really having fun. You know, just taking care of them right now. You know, everything I got, everything's a baby. Everything's small. Well. Okay, that's I got I got a pair of pine, albino pine snakes that are on the larger side, but pretty much everything I'm going to be raising up over the next you know several years to, to breed one day, and I don't know I'm just super excited to watch them all grow. Super stoked about Nerodia. Oh man, I'm I'm really digging the water snakes. That's yeah, a, see, that's a species I want to get into at work. <laughs> I want to get yeah, them a nice aquatic exactly. habitat and uh, and not deal with them here. Yeah, no, dude, you absolutely <laughs> should. They are fantastic. I, I don't know. I think they're fun. They're really not bad. They like them right now. Mine are tiny, obviously, man. They're the smallest snakes I've ever had. They are the, by far the smallest snakes I've ever like kept. And it's, so it's almost intimidating when they're that tiny. I don't know what it is, yeah. but and they're, they're the, also the only snakes I've had that I've have almost like gotten away from me in my room, like more than once. Like I'm very good at holding on to my snakes. I've never had something like get away from me in my room, but man, these water snakes have come close. I've had them plop on the floor. Like, cause I have, I have, you know, but I have two pairs and I house them together because you know, it, it's no secret that water snakes do better in groups. And so I'm, I'm following that method with keeping them. And, um, man, you go in to try cause I cup feed them right now. And you go in to snag one, and the other one darts off the other side, you know, and you're trying to watch that where you're grabbing one. And I literally grabbed one. I looked away for a second. The other one, I saw it shoot out the corner of my eye off the rack onto the floor. And I'm like, shit, you know, and trying to grab it. And, you know, they're so tiny, man. And I, I don't know, but they're, they're really cool. Once you get them in your hands, like they calm down, they'll musky a little bit at first, but at this size, it doesn't really do anything. You can't smell it. You know, but I, I don't know, man. They're they're absolutely fantastic. They have such little personalities, and I I think they're freaking adorable. But you know, yeah, I think um, they're great animals. I you know if if I could keep everything I thought was great, you know, I'd oh, run yeah. out of space, right? Yeah, but absolutely. I think I I love seeing a resurgence in uh, or or just a surge in um, in snakes like that and animals like that, because I haven't really seen ever seen such a push in water snakes, you know, mm -hmm. and Chris yeah. and, uh, and dark horse seems to be doing really cool work with a lot yeah. of those localities. And, uh, it's just cool to see. It's just yeah. cool to see. No, it's fun. Like, you know, upon I'm finding more people that, you know, work with them. Uh, Matt dove does some work with, uh, with them. Um, he's, he produced 
Yeah, I think he produced some recently. Um, and then I know uh, Zach Zach Loafman has a uh, has some water snakes himself. Doc, Doc Zach. Um, <laughs> what doesn't he have? Yeah, he an absolute snake list, man. Uh, yeah, shoe goals, goals, man. Heck yeah, he's uh, he's he's doing cool work up there. Yeah, man. Dude. I really like Zach. Yeah, Just he's awesome. I love listening to him talk, man. Um, that's that's my that's my favorite podcast right now is Kalubert and Klubroid. It's doing fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad to be right now. Right now, your favorite podcast is that one. Right now, shouldn't it be THP? Well, you know, right now, at this moment. Oh, at this very moment. Yeah, come on. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not gonna be that guy. I was like, yeah, my favorite podcast is mine. I'm gonna sit my teeth, my pinky out. There's so many good podcasts now. Yeah, dude. There's so Um, many. Yeah, but there's one that is now catered to Colonians. Yeah, there's you know, yeah. there's very few. There's very there's few very few of anything um, dedicated to colonians. There is. I mean, the um the podcast has been probably mm-hmm. the mainstay that's been out there. Um, and those guys are awesome. Um part of, part of the turtle room, Anthony and Kevin and Steve. And um I was on one of those recently and it kind of I, my wife and I were talking about starting a podcast, just uh, you know, like a couple thing to get more involved. She's been more involved in my herp collection since turtles nice. got involved. Oh, uh, she wanted she wanted a taste so, when the turtles were yeah, there. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. fine by me, man. Oh, no, yeah, love no, it. I love it. Um, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So we're trying to think of something more we could do together that was fun and um, I was on the podcast and I've been talking to Anthony and I was like, yeah, I should do it. And I should mention Anthony and his, and his wife, uh, Shannon have a podcast called totally devoted as well. That's <laughs> it's, um, it's a, it's a good one to listen to as well. It's, it's, it's a turtle podcast ish, but it's a really good, uh, it's fun to listen to, but yeah. So we, we got together. I talked to Justin a bunch, talked to Eric Burke a bunch just for some like the pod father. Know, yeah, everybody, and just was like, well, you know, just trying to get tips where I could. Yeah, um, and everyone was very nice and open and willing to share, and um, so yeah, I, I probably use all the all the cheapest methods possible to produce <laughs> a podcast, and it doesn't take much um, though, man. I mean, we were using twenty dollar Neewer mics to start, and those for the price, I was. Freakishly surprised at how decent those sounded. And and I was like, these are going to sound like crap. Our first episode, everybody was complimenting the, or our first couple episodes, everybody was complimenting the sound quality. Like, it doesn't, there's not nearly as much of a financial commitment as it used to be, I don't think. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing that was made pretty clear and that I I was definitely on board with is if you're going to do something like this, make sure the audio quality is at least good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because um, you can have great content and, Hey, cat. Sorry, he was eating my plants. <laughs> um, <laughs> what an um, asshole. I know. Oh, Cats. I, he's the last cat that I will ever have. <laughs> yeah. I love him, but they drive me crazy. That's it. Uh, he's nice. I, I dig him, but I, wouldn't, I, I will never. Yeah. I don't want to ever have more cats. Sorry, cat yeah. people. Not we really have one, but he's a terrorist. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like that they're independent and do stuff, but also like. I don't know. Just annoying. I'd rather have also F cats. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, everyone helped me out and um, I was like, you know, trying to figure out frequency and what to do. So um, let's talk turtles is the name of the podcast. And it's, uh, it's a little different. It's a little more cheery. It's a little more positive. It's, uh, it's clean. You know, so uh, there's no cuss words and no racy stuff. So that might turn a lot of people off. To listening I tried to, to get um, this to be a clean one, but Jake is such a potty mouth. Dude, oh, it's all right, you, man. Do you want me to stop cussing? I just mean in general. If, I was like, this is a family Christian show, and you're over here with your <laughs> fucking Satan worshiping. I'm the one bullshit. that, like, oh my god, don't even talk to me about. Hey, come on, man. Satanists don't even believe in Satan. Hail Satan, brother. <laughs> Shut up. You say me that all the time. Yeah, you say, see, yeah, you're going to talk to me about this being more Christian. You're the ones over here, hail Satan, and I can't even say it without feeling dirty. Jesus. <laughs> Impure. <laughs> unclean <laughs> oh man no it's good i mean we no. need more we need more turtle and tortoise stuff and like even as a snake guy especially with the magazine i am always wanting to get more of that stuff out there because i feel like it is such an underrepresented sort of corner of the hobby and i mean you could probably chime in better as to why you think that's the case but I'm just, uh, I am no, I really don't. I mean, even... Not everything gets huge and doesn't take up a ton of space. No, it's like, well, they take up more space. You know, maybe it's a different type of person. You know, uh, um, it's harder to keep as many tortoises as it is snakes. That's for sure. Um, but you know, you talk to a turtle guy, and it's just totally different. You know, that a lot of us seem to be really quiet about it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a little more work involved sometimes. Um, yeah, I really haven't put it together why there's not really. I mean, there's plenty of people interested in tortoises, but there's so very few media out there comparatively, you know, mm -hmm. to lizards, snakes uh, and whatnot. Um, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I watch Camp Cannon all the time. Yeah, like realistically, so, though, in comparison to lizards, I mean, how much more work are you really looking at? I guess is kind of. I guess it depends on the and the turtles or tortoise species. If you have an aquatic turtle, you know, there's a little more work to do there. I mean, they mm -hmm. and turtles are filthy. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. Nice thing about turtles, though, is you never need a lid for the most part <laughs> for most turtles. <laughs> Don't have to worry um, about finding that in my pantry. Well, let's, yeah. Let, let's there's more lighting that. involved and. Let's do a quick comparison. Like, let's take the most common lizard species, say bearded dragon. Okay, that's one that needs more lighting. It's very common, eats a lot. Whatever, bearded dragon versus something like a sulcata, something that you can I, find oh, wow. at kind of apples to oranges. Yeah, at, yeah. Well, sulcatas are a little funny. different. Well, um, okay, something something basic or something that you dragon. would find commonly at a reptile show. You know, Russian go with Conixus or Russian tortoises. Okay, yeah, Russian they, and tortoises. Those are, yeah. those are commonly imported. They don't breed in high numbers. Uh, so maybe, I, th I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into commercial production, you know, and making things popular. If you can, if people can reproduce, you know, 40, 50 bearded dragons in a season between, you know, a trio of animals, um, there's more animals out there. People like them. They're active. They're cute. And turtles, I mean, Conixus them, themselves, they, I mean, they, the homiana laid maybe, maybe one to three eggs per clutch. Maybe they yeah, have yeah, two yeah. clutches per season. So that's what Tyler's not was flooding the market. Yeah. It's just the, uh, you know, the incubation time 
is just yeah i mean it looks like it's 200 days and something i mean there are turtles that take 300 days and uh, some have diapause so i i just i think some of it would boil down to just there's not that many available and knowing it's a long-term commitment and as well i think someone i was listening to recently said you know bearded dragons kind of their typical lifespan matches up with like a five-year-old getting it and you know getting ready to go off to college is you know Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Dragons tend to live about that. It probably should live a lot longer, but I mean, yeah. a box turtle, we I, we have a 75-year-old Florida box turtle Damn. at work. Good grief. They live forever. Um, it's very rare that, I mean, I think pancake tortoises is one of the shorter-lived tortoises, and they're like 25 to 30 on average. Hmm. Um, I mean, they just live a long time. They're a bigger commitment. I think they take up more space depending on the lizard. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I'm guess I'm not giving a very good comparative info here, but um, I really don't well, know. Maybe, I, and maybe, maybe it was a dumb comparison. I was just throwing something out there. No, so. no, no. I know. Since, I know what you're since saying. Since Smitty started his old comparison for, thanks thing. Thanks for trying. No, but Sokata's breeding huge numbers. Yeah. You know, and what's well, interesting just, about Sokata, did you know that's like an endangered species? Are they really? Really? They are IUCN listed as endangered. Isn't that hilarious? It's just like kind of what happens. Like Quangtung river turtles, if you ever heard of those, those are functionally extinct in the wild, but uh, you can go online and find them for like 60 bucks. Good girl. Yeah, because they've just been bred in such numbers um, by private hobbyists. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wish uh, I knew. I mean, once you have a turtle, it's like, shoot, this thing's pretty cool. Most people. Yeah. I mean, there's, I there's a handful think. of species I'd love to keep, like diamondback terrapins. Yeah. I would do snappers. I would do terrapin snappers and, and eastern boxes. I, mm-hmm. I've always, I've, I low key want some eastern box turtles, but that's going to be a much later down Anixis the road. Thing pancakes. Where I can do some outside enclosures and. Yeah, oh, see, see that, that I think that's part of the draw, though. I've got pens outside that I move everybody out in the summer. Yeah. And you have to be a little on it, though, because we have some nights in the winter where it's like, okay, maybe I need to bring them in or not in the summer. Yeah, if they were out there in the winter, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have many turtles left. But uh, yeah, you have to bring them in. The, so you have to pay attention to this kind of stuff. Some of the stuff I like, like with the pancake tortoises or grassland tortoises. So I taught my daughter how to identify a bunch of different types of like naturally growing uh, stuff. Like she knows what broadleaf plantain is and grapevine and uh, mulberry nice. and, and stuff. So she'll go summer is great. Cause she just goes out there and collects like all the food. I feed my pancakes. I don't even buy really produce that much in the summer. There you go. Um, so I just go in and look at the tortoises like, yep, they're there and they're growing because she feeds them while I'm at work or something. So it was pretty nice. I'd, um, I'd and I think that's have... cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'd prefer like around here, I would almost prefer to have something like a larger tortoise outside because like around here, I would be so scared to have a box turtle outside because we have raccoons and possums Mm. and everything else all the time. That'll just pick those things off, man. I would be so paranoid to leave a little turtle outside. We have the same. Oh. We got some raccoon. I put lids on mine, and I've seen other people use hot wire, like there you go, <laughs> or use yeah. a sonic. But no, I just put straight up lids on mine. And if there you go, if I see it messed with, I'll bring them in. But yeah, yeah. I got that's part of it. I don't put too small of stuff out there. Like uh, when the I love to put the pancakes out a little longer in the summer, but they're too still a little too small that I don't I don't feel comfortable for that same yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. at least like box turtles. They're not easterns, but Florida box turtles deal with raccoons, so they've kind of co-evolved to to right. deal with that stuff sometimes so uh, yeah, it's also a little different when it's in a pin though and stuff you know like that uh, is true a little know. bit more controlled when if a raccoon gets in that pin 
Ivy. Nah, I get you. It's definitely something I think about. I've seen a raccoon in our backyard, and I chase it off pretty good, I think. But uh, yeah. we have chickens in the backyard too, so oh, there you go. Hopefully, they just go after the chickens. Yeah, my no, wife wouldn't I... want to hear that, but yeah, yeah. No. If you guys are close by, <laughs> give you some freaking eggs, man. Those chickens never stop. I've got like eight dozen eggs in the fridge right now. It's Jeez. ridiculous, man. Yeah, but I, I feed them to the turtles. <laughs> I w- I actually uh, this last weekend I co- I was watching my coworkers chickens for him, and uh, he told me I could have all the eggs that they they produced while you know he was gone. And man, they were giving me two eggs a day. I was like, oh dang, like hell yeah. yeah on average, I thought about shoot. feeding them to my rat snake. Man, I got a bit. I've got yeah. a big yellow that Billy gave me. And, um, so he's just kind of hanging out till I find a pair of uh, another, a female for him, but man, he's big. And I thought about just tossing one of those eggs and see if he ate it, man. I, I bet he will. I bet That's you he would cool, too, man. man. That's why they call them chicken snakes. Like. Oh yeah. But they're all about it, man. I used to go catch my neighbors growing up. My neighbors had a bunch of chickens and they, man, they would holler at me and, I go. I grew up on five. I grew up on five acres out in the boonies out here in Beaufort, and uh, I always tell people I ran across the field to go catch. Uh, <laughs> there was no crossing the street for us. It was going across the field, and uh, I'd run across the field barefoot and in their chicken coop and pulling out these big old rat snakes, man. And I swear one of them was touching seven foot, dude. Biggest rat snake I've ever oh, seen wow. in my life, and especially in the wild. My God. Rat snakes talking about what's wrong with that yeah i don't know i mean there's (laughs) dude get the water droplets off your mustache it looks weird Jeez. i just had yeah man i have to trim that i can't hack the over the overflow it's annoying the overflow can't do it it's like a filter try eating an ice cream cone yeah there's like (laughs) a no fly list of things that you don't eat when you have a beard and ice cream cones ribs uh Anything with sauce on it? Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. yeah, it happens. No, you missed it. We were talking about chickens. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we were talking about chickens and eggs. And I, I collected eggs from uh, my coworker this weekend. I thought about giving one to my giving one to that big yellow. Billy you need to eat it. I bet you he would. Guarantee you, you would. And it made me start thinking, like, man, man, I, that's actually not a bad idea to like have chickens. Like, even if you don't have a rooster, to get like actual chicks you know like just get the eggs and feed them your stuff man like that's what i have six females sorry six pullets i should say six hens gotta use the right terminology um Mm. my kids love them we let them free range a little bit supervised but i got birds of prey who are those things are out there for like five minutes and there's like a hawk flies like it's like like, what's up (laughs) but uh they're nice chickens Find them on their backs with their chests ripped open and all the yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. They, oh man, we let them free range while we had the cicada emergence this year, and they were just feasting, Jeez, <laughs> just man. going around, just pain. and I had yeah. one dog too that just wouldn't stop eating. With I have three dogs, and and the one my pit bull is just hounding them. I don't know how many cicada that she must have eaten hundreds of cicadas every day no i was getting way. worried but she was pooping them out i'd let her out at <laughs> night and it'd be middle of the night she wouldn't come in for like an hour it's black out there um and i i had, she's deaf so like i try to flick the lights <laughs> to get her to come in so you can't yell for her but she won't come in i'll go out there and she'll like look up at me and she's got like shell part like all over her mouth <laughs> and wings just, just hanging out of her so, she's like get in here 
when she'd have cicada poops and oh it was i don't understand there's a season for those because i feel like anytime it's spring and summer here they're out like they're here oh no man not like these these are the 17 year cicadas man it was an emergence it was people talk about i'm like what are you talking about unbelievable all the time they scream every night yeah you those are they call those the dog day uh dog days uh locusts or the cicadas i mean they're here every year and there's plenty of them but this is like trees covered this is like wow. ground crawling with them. I'll see if I have some old videos that I, could, that I took from uh, yeah, during that see, time. I'll send them your way. It is crazy. Time. We took at work. We would take yeah. them, and uh, my coworker fed them to her copperhead, and we were, like feeding yeah, them monitors cool. and stuff. It was like, hey, free food. Yeah, I like to find the ones that sometimes you'll see one on its back in the driveway, and I'll pick it up and throw it at my wife and watch her freak out. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I can't yes. touch those freaking things, man. They do kind of weird. They skeeve me out. I don't know what it is, but they're, they're just so I'll be walking by. Flying. You'll be walking by somewhere else, and you just hear like <laughs> on the ground. You're like, ah! you're like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, Some dude, of them are pretty big. Too. Yeah, they're huge. Are you kidding me? Those things. You are, see the little yeah, shells they leave big. behind when they like literally jump out their skin. Yeah. They leave the little hanging. Yeah, that stuff Wolf. was. I think my dog was eating a lot of those too. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, these are good. Waste not. It's like, it's like, a, like eating a, a popcorn kernel. It's like a chip. Oh, it's like snow. What in the hell are you doing? Just like her stupid lips just hanging down, like just it was like uh, Zoidberg. She reminded me of Zoidberg from like uh, Futurama, just hanging down eating stuff, like just hoovering it up. Oh, it so ridiculous. I'm always curious when it comes to to guys that are into turtles and tortoises as to what you think is sort of the best place to start when it comes to tortoises, I guess in particular. Like what's your yeah, pick for, for best there's a tortoises? lot of different Sorry, there's a lot of different de- uh, decent species you can start working with. Obviously, I would say keep small uh, if you can to start with. But uh, my my biggest uh, advice would be to go captive bred, whatever it is. Find something that's captive bred. A breeder is going to make sure that thing's good and good to go, and you'll have a lot better time with that um, than like Russian tortoises. Imported Russian tortoises carry a lot of stuff and. It's sometimes they're hard to acclimate. Conixis are incredibly, they're notorious for being very difficult to acclimate because they have such an arduous journey, you know, mm-hmm. but captive bred Conixis are, they are, the yeah, even my captive bred ones are, my captive bred ones are, well, the imported ones are shy until a male sees a female and then like all hell breaks <laughs> loose. They don't, they don't wait. They're like, pound town, they see them and they're like, let's go girl. Do they make the uh, noise too? Like you see eh, in the videos. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> yeah. So Conixus, I, I, the forest Conixus, Erosa and the Homiana. <laughs> oh, was that a good one? Did you get? <laughs> yeah. I've heard good. a lot of turtle breeding grunts in my in my lifetime. Uh, so I try to do them. Try to do them a little some justice. But uh, I, I the the Erosa and the Homiana are very similar to box turtles. You know, cooler weather animals. Uh, their ambient temps are usually in the low seventies, mid seventies with, like I said, randomized basking UV for those guys. And, and they seem to thrive in there. Knock on wood. Um, super easy. They lot, very omnivorous. I would say more carnivorous than, than not. I get them to eat a lot of protein more than I get them to eat some of the other stuff, but they hammer the commercial Missouri pellets really Mm -hmm. easily and the crocodilian pellets. So um yeah if you can get a captive bred animal sorry i just lost track of what i was really doing oh you see that dumb cat over my shoulder you see him 
Let's see that dumb to get in on this, dude. I was eating <laughs> uh, my wife's spider plant, man. I had to smack him. Oh, I couldn't even reach him. I, I don't hit my animals. You saw, I yelled at him. Hiccup, get the... Put the. Um, Wait, is this name Hiccup? Hiccup, yeah, like uh, How to Train Your Dragons. Dude, that's what they... That was a nickname of mine when I was a kid was Hiccup. Why does that not surprise me at all? Well, I don't. I got there's. It was hiccup and pickup. Oh, you hickey. I don't know uh. why. It was hiccup and pickup. I don't know how that came at Jacob. But I guess it. I guess saying it uh, out loud. It, it kind of. Yeah, you, yeah. you can make it happen. Yeah. No. My dad's. I married into that cat time. though, so no yeah. real ties. <laughs> no. He had no involvement in it. It's, it's not mine. Stepcat. No. It's he's actually wife. pretty sweet. He's he's a pretty sweet cat, but he'll be the last one. Yeah. I hope. I say that, but I really don't I have. I was going to say I don't think you're going to have much of a decision or choice in that matter, there, buddy. No, oh man, we we are we're an animal family. We had we got a pig once, and that was a mistake. Yeah, my dad um, got one at one point. That thing was just—it was like a miniature potbelly, and the amount of it yeah. was like the size of an adult chihuahua, and the amount of damage that thing did in the backyard and the pen was unbelievable. Oh. Well, we the only reason we ended up getting rid of it, which is uh, a rehoming it, the thing lives with like eight other pigs now out in eastern Ohio. Like I get updates on her, so it makes me feel better. But my <laughs> wife ended up being highly allergic and she oh, was wow, pregnant geez. at the time. So we had to get like, I was just like, no, this has to go somewhere. <clears throat> she was hitting her using her inhaler like two or three wild. times a day. It was like, uh, sorry, pigo. It's time to go. Yeah. But yeah, That'll we try stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. Nice one. Oh man, I started so I started watching American Horror Story, and I finished the second season today, and it had the guy from Babe in it. He was like one of the main bad guys, and the entire time I was like, "There's nothing threatening about you because you're the guy from Babe." <laughs> that's that's all I will remember you for. That and the Longest Yard remake with Adam Sandler. Uh, but yeah, so, they, yeah, shoot, where was I even? I'm sorry. Do they ahead. find like Conixus and stuff? Do they, I mean, do they find them eating like carrion and stuff naturally? Yeah, like, they, absolutely. Because they, they um, do the same with the Redfoots, right? Like they find Redfoots rolling up uh, on dead stuff and eating it. I think Redfoots eat anything and everything, whatever is in their path. They're just going to eat it. I wouldn't be surprised if they're <laughs> coprophagic, like just eating poop from another yellowfoot tortoise or something. Oh, shit. Whatever. They just go to town. Um, but uh, I think Conixus, at least the homiana that I've that I've read up on, they eat tons of mushrooms, uh, lots of gastropods. They see a lot of snails. So uh, I don't know if you know Clint Reinhardt, uh, if you've seen him around, but he does mostly gecko stuff. But he's local and he he breeds snails. So I'm working with him to try to figure out how to get a good snail colony as a as an additional snack for my Conixus. I never even thought about mushrooms. It, so. Yeah, I feel I Meyer around here, man. On Mondays, I go to Meyer and they have like uh, they're buying before they go bad. And I always spend like four bucks and come home with like a pound and a half of mushrooms. And <laughs> that's their mushroom day, you know, oh. <laughs> that works out. But I, I always toss them in calcium because they have a terrible like calcium phosphorus ratio. Oh. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I try to feed it to everything, but like the box turtles I thought would eat mushrooms and they don't want anything to do with it. My pancakes, I'm like, I'll throw a little mushroom in there. All that's left in the bowl is like the mushrooms that I put in there. I'm like, oh, all right. I take the hint. I won't give you any more. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's tough. You, you, we, we only know so much of what they do in the wild. And I'm a big fan of using natural, like 
evidence-based natural history to kind of dictate my husbandry, but there's only a, you have to kind of um, marry that with the fact that you are keeping them in a box. Right. You know, there's, yeah, there's a, a, there's a balance that you have yeah. to work out there for sure. That so. is, that's something I'm, I feel like that's, that should almost be easier than, than keeping stuff the way that YouTube or CareSheet would. It's like, it's sort of, like it's given to you. It's right there. Like the it's yeah. You know, temperatures, humidity, all that stuff. It's right there. Like you don't have to wonder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, part of the problem is accessibility to that stuff. You know, accessibility to scientific journals and articles isn't necessarily easy. Um, if you can find the abstract, a lot of times you can find an email and email the author and they're just like, yeah, here you go. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to read my paper and not pay $30 through the paywall or use Sci-Hub. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. If you've heard of Sci-Hub, it, are you aware of Sci-Hub? I'm not. It's your workaround to get free articles. Oh, man. Yeah, I know like Google Scholar is a big thing, but I've never even been on that. Yeah, but I just... they still send you to paywalls to get some yeah. of that stuff. Um, but Sci-Hub is, I don't know if I'm supposed to ever like support that or not, because I mean, they're breaking the, <laughs> the law. I think in a lot of countries, they have a, a kind of a traveling. He's like, look into uh, it. Leaks <laughs> of scientific papers. Yeah, I mean, you can get almost anything that way. Um, not that I do it. I've just heard that you can do that. Um, <laughs> so but that's how I get a lot of my papers and, and read them and I get a lot of info. And you never know what you're going to find. I read a paper on, uh, I was reading it on a river system uh, that they were stocking trout in. And I happened to notice that that's a river system that alligator snapping turtles live in in Louisiana and saw temperature data of the river. And I was like, shit keeping our alligator snappers at pretty high temps. Maybe we don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of alligator snappers as like warm, hot swamps, right? Not, I mean, they're, they're big in river systems and a lot of these rivers. I mean, I think the average temp for the year was like 62. It was got yeah. as low as 54 and as high as like 80 something in the summer. I guess it depends um, on if it's like a moving river, or if it's just like sort of standing swampy. Mm-hmm. That does play a role. Yeah. But I mean, there. Then you see videos of like these alligator snappers under ice, like yeah. moving around yeah, down there. Yeah. So, so we don't know anything really. We know as much as we know, and it's really not that much. But it's like so. But that's even though it's not a lot. That right there, like that should tell you, like that should tell you enough because like it follow follow the pattern. Like follow your like if it's a local species, follow your weather patterns like give it colder water during the winter give it warmer water in the summer two and two makes mm-hmm. four like you know it's i'm the thought of like this is how it's done it gets a 79 degree water and that's it <clears throat> not a degree more not a degree less year round that's how it's supposed to be cut and dry like i'm so sick of that cut and dry like this how it is the stuff this that Hoffman talks about with the, yeah. the like uh, husbandry mythology kind of oh stuff. yeah, yeah folklore like husbandry is, yeah, a, yeah, is yeah. a good topic yeah absolutely uh, a friend of mine Robert Mendick calls it uh, some of the I've heard of the ninety five one hundred paradox uh, like basking temperatures I don't know what's the basking I don't know ninety five one hundred like that's like everybody's <laughs> like oh give it 95 100 now obviously we're learning more and you're seeing people like no offer your monitors 130 150 um you can temp like i've seen people temp the the skin temperature on like certain cyclora in situ and it's like 148 degrees like their God, skin temperature Jesus. is like 
this is what they recreate they the surface of the sun. Yeah. So, but back to like to, to further Jacob's point, it's um, yeah, you have this data out there, but also that's where you marry it, right? With, with common sense and kind of in a box, just because an animal experiences 54 degrees in the wild doesn't mean you necessarily have to do that. A lot right. of animals probably died at 54 degree to get to yeah, the point no, where they I, could handle it. So, exactly. but it doesn't mean that you have to keep them at 75 all year long. Like exactly, you can lower it. Yeah. You should feel comfortable. I think Isn't, carpet pythons. I mean, I drop them into the low sixties. My pancake tortoises, they're in the room that I keep my carpets. They went, they overnight temperatures were in the mid sixties last year and they were young. So they're going to get the similar this year. Um, it happens like even in some of the warmer places, it gets into the sixties at night as long it's as it warms like, up during I, the day. Yeah. And it's, but it's like, that's the thing is like, I feel like that should be like a standard now is to giving these animals like a, that, that cycle because it's, it's natural. Now, obviously, you know, like you said, they like, just because they can survive down the 55, whatever degrees, doesn't mean you should bring them down to that every winter. No, it's like, but it's like, yeah, they can survive from 55 to 85 degree water. It's like, okay, fluctuate from 78, 75 to 65. Yeah. You don't know, freak give out against the, the 72, you know? Yeah, He's exactly. Like, oh, don't, like, give don't them, flip out. Yeah. It's one of my give favorite the Terry Phillip quotes was, I think he was talking about prairie rattlesnakes. He's like, just because it snows and, North Dakota doesn't mean I'm going to go shovel snow into their cage in the winter. Exactly. exactly. And that's yeah. knowing the natural history of your animal too. Yeah. It gets in, you know, there's a prairie rattlesnake in North Dakota and it gets to negative 20 in freaking North Dakota, but that animal knowing it's natural history, you know, it's brew mating and it's, never reaches a temperature maybe below, you know, 52 or something. Yeah. And so that's, so it, it's knowing that, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, that's why sometimes it's tough to deal with like world climate. Like if you want to look up the climate places, uh, like that's that tells you what the city's temperature is, but it doesn't yeah. tell you what the microhabitat you're the animal you're looking at is is occupying. Um, it gives you a rough I've, idea at best. And I've thought like you know because I've taken all that because I've I'm do been doing a lot of thinking with like this whole colubra thing and like I would like to one day be able to like have a porch you know that's all basically um, you know screened in you know, but get natural and all natural airflow and all that through there. And I'm thinking like, okay, winter time comes around. We're going to have days that it gets down in the thirties. Like, I don't want to expose that to them. But like, what if I make a cage that's big enough and has a deep enough layer to where I could stick a heat pad mm -hmm. a, under, you know, under their cage in a burrowed spot, put a thermostat in it, put it up to 55 ish, 55, 60, not 60, but around 55 or whatever and let them burrow down in there and actually stay burrowed during the winter you know like yeah and you'll be that, surprised that... some of those animals will come out like we have uh naturalized yeah. we call them italian wall lizards in cincinnati they've been here since the 50s the people tend to love them now but like some rich people brought them back in the 50s and they established themselves but it's we have them all over the zoo but it's fun to watch because you know what is brumation really is it's not like I don't think in a lot of animals it's like bears, you know, where they're like, I'm shutting down yeah, for three months. Wake me up later. Hibernation. These guys, man, they might not, you might not see them for two months. And then you get like a random weekend in the seventies mm -hmm. and they're out, they're basking, yep. soaking up the sun. Uh, and then it like gets cold the next day. I don't see them. They, they tend to take it like queen snakes around here. You know, they take advantage of what's given. I've and then seen they go back down. On Christmas day here because it was, yeah, you know, it's crazy. 
they keep themselves hidden, but when something's available, something mm-hmm. prevents itself or presents itself to be used, they'll go use it. Hey, Tim, Tim Brophy here. with his corns, he takes he lives in like Tennessee, I think, or something like that. And uh, and he takes his and puts them in like a storage container with a ton of substrate. And I think he just he leaves them outdoors in those, you know, on his porch or something throughout the winter and pulls them back in in spring, you know, whatever whatever temps happen, happen. I'm telling you, man, I've, I'm really thinking about it. If you give them enough, that deep enough layer and you give them some type of heat at the bottom on a thermostat set to like 55, like that could give simple, them Jake. like a very natural, like PVC I, tubes or something. Know, yeah, there. exactly. Give them those burrowing spaces, spaces underneath your enclosure. Now, granted, like it's going to take a little bit extra work, but like if you're keeping North American colubrids, you know, especially like around here in South Carolina, like this is a perfect place to do something like that. If you have a screened in porch, you know, to keep out bugs and the the elements, you know, that it would be I think I even think if you're awesome. using something almost compost ish that was generating enough heat on its own in a in a box. Yeah. I think that I gotta go be- let my dog out real quick. She's making some hilarious noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go for it, man. You're good. I don't know, because I've wondered the same thing with like the Dion's and stuff. Like that that pair that I have that are Siberian, you know, like that's that ain't a warm part of the world. Yeah. You know? So I'm anxious to sort of play around with those a little bit, you know, with, with cremation and stuff. And I think that's what I am gonna do this year instead of putting them in the closet like I have like I did last year. I'm gonna brumate everything in here. And then if it does get freakishly cold, you know, some nights or whatever, I'll pull them inside. But but see, that goes back to where like it's not so bad to give them a warmer day for them to come out for a minute. So like if on those nights it gets extra cold, bring them inside, let them get a warm evening. Or actually, I think my other plan was to put like a heat lamp or something right at a distance just to keep that ambient temperature. Right. Like if I put them in the corner, up that corner a little bit so that right. Yeah, it's like we're have a night where it gets thirty six, but it's still not going to get that cold in here though. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you also you still because like your closet deal you have to think about what they were talking about on Klubert and Klubroid of that's what got me keeping them at like that sixty five is in between is dangerous you know because it's like it's cold enough to where they won't want to eat but warm enough for their still systems to still be moving and processing and so you have to make sure to get them cold enough to actually make them shut down type deal don't you love this conversation though. Yes. That's like this is what the hobby should focus more on. Sometimes it's just getting into these conversations. Like, how do I make uh, a wonderful little area to keep these snakes that I love, like naturalistic, where I can enjoy them? And mm-hmm. it's not about saying you, you should keep natural versus the other shit. If you had an something outside where you just rotated animals to just enjoy some of that here and there, um, yeah. that's that's cool. But the whole point is to generate questions, right? It's to it's to question yourself. Mm -hmm. And how do you improve yourself? You should always be thinking of that. And one of the things I think of from a zoo perspective is historically zoos have always measured success by what they've reproduced. Yeah. And I think we do a lot of that in the hobby as well. And that's fine. I think that's nothing to not celebrate, but I think we should be celebrating like really high level care and like these awesome outdoor enclosures and, Mm -hmm. and other things just as much. It needs to be celebrated as well. Uh, and say like that's a good keeper like that they're providing some of these things maybe they're not even given a crap about breeding but you can you can applaud someone for breeding a common species even or a hard to breed species and say that's great good job i i'm happy for you as well as say 
Um, and they can keep all their stuff in a rack and you can still be happy for the person and encourage them and say, good job, keep it up. But you can also encourage this other person who is maybe has five snakes, but they have like, you know, five by five by four cage or something yeah. that they're working on. And See, that's uh, we get lost, you. we get lost in the sauce too much. Yeah, man. You're, you're, you're a you guy, but you get it. We've had people on the show sometimes like that, like that too. Like they don't have this insane amount of animals, but they have these incredibly, you know, like the one recently Roy. with Roy, yeah. like he doesn't have that many animals. He has some very cool animals and he has, he has enough, but he puts way more into the enclosures than he does like does buying the all the animals he can, you know, like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fantastic. So I, I totally agree with you, Ryan, as you know, applauding those people for what they do. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's made me rethink how I'm keeping stuff. And that's why I've been going through all this stuff in my head about see uh, Jerry McGuire is keeping. coming for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, like I think experimenting and sort of yeah. trying things. Like, yeah. I think it's Cause like, that's how we progress, man. Like if you keep everything the same, yeah. You know, if you just keep everything open. the same yeah. and you know, it, you don't, we don't progress as a hobby. We don't progress as a whole. If we just, everybody does everything the exact, exactly the same way, like change it up, try new stuff. You know, it's, like how would like how would you have known that a uh, rhino rat would take a, a a tadpole like but you just tried it you know and it worked mm -hmm. you know because of what you knew about the species but how many did you hear anybody else trying tadpoles i had asked around and people were like i haven't tried it but give it a shot yeah you know and it, and it worked immediately you know so Pilot it's like tadpoles were taken with glee those the, it's that type of stuff that like that's how we keep progressing so now i guarantee you if people in the future have problems with rhinos they're gonna go look for to get some tadpoles you know it's it's an alternative it's cheap it's good you know it's yeah, that's how we keep. That's how we keep going. That's how we get better. But you know, be smart about it. Yeah, you it. obviously, obviously have to do it. To the you have to do it within, right. you know, your means and to an extent. Like they'll be like, oh, let's see if this thing get down to freezing, and you know that that's obviously just silly. But it's know. like one of those things where it's even if you don't end up making any changes, I just want people to have an open mind and at least yeah. accept that that is a plausible th way to do things. Even if you don't want to do them that way, um, it'll make you it, it just makes you a better, I think, mm -hmm. hobbyist, a better, you know, compadre to other reptile, uh, other uh, herpetologists keeping these animals because you don't want to say there's only one way to do things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people just get stuck in habit and this is what you're going to do. This is how I do it. It's always worked. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. And other people think it's hard. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with lizards, what you said earlier, right? And it's like, ah, I don't want to deal with lizards. I mean, lizards are not hard to get. I mean, they're not. And uh, like, um, and it's not just those, but frogs. I got frogs. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not too much of a pain. Um, but we have this conversation at work a lot about king cobras. You know, it's a species of like 99% of its diet is snakes. And uh, as humans, we're like, how do we get this thing to eat freaking rats? That's what I want it to eat. I want it to eat rodents. Um, but it makes sense, you know, in the, in the 50s, maybe when the 50s, 60s, 70s things are coming in, it was way easier to breed rats and rodents and get that because it was it was more beneficial to the animal at that point in time um, to eat rodents because it would get fed more. 
but what kind of dam are we shortening lifespans? What kind of physiological damage are we doing to these animals that are not evolved to eat rodents? Um, yeah, because that's I had that same thought when we were talking about hog noses earlier, mm-hmm. you know, about like everybody wants them on these rodents. It's like, but I feel like eastern and southern hogs, like they don't live as long because we're feeding them rodents. Like they're not yeah, who they're, knows where they're really not supposed to eat rodents. Like they don't eat rodents in the wild, like around here, they have eastern not hogs, evolved. They eat solely. F- frogs like that's what they eat and it's like there's there's i read something somewhere maybe somebody said it or maybe i'm just making it up but like there's like it's almost where like they need it like to there's something in toads because like a lot of hogs are toad specific eaters Mm -hmm. you know they'll take tree frogs but toads are like the main diet so it's like there's something in those toads that sustain eastern hogs you know Maybe who knows? But I don't know. Man, I, I mean, I, I know down I that kind of a natural there, gut fauna, you know. I've yeah. seen it's it's with the eastern hogs I've seen in captivity. At least when I worked in, you know, at a nature center, and even we had one in a classroom in high school. I noticed like after a while they did they did die, and they died belly up with these just worms coming out of their mouth. Mm. And I it's I don't know exactly what what would make the difference as far as it being in captivity? Maybe it's a immunosuppressed or something from the stress of being in captivity. But for whatever reason, I, it, it seemed like it was a pretty common occurrence that eventually they would die and they would die with worms, like large worms coming out of their, out of their mouth. There is a parasite in toads. I think that can be transferred to hog noses. I'm fairly certain. And then hog noses. I mean, they're just, not many people are captively producing them. So when you have mm-hmm. wild animals that you're kind of habituating, stress is always, yeah, you know, a primary thing. And if you're immunosuppressed at all, with even just a like, there, I think that stress-free animal. And I wouldn't say stress-free, but happy animals, if you want to use that term, um, and they have a natural flora, right, of all these nematodes and and things in their gut mm-hmm. that's that they're kind of at a homeostasis where they're just kind of they all agree like this is how we're going to get along. But when you stress an animal out or when it's mm-hmm. not eating what it needs to eat and, and it gets that stress level, there's people looking at it like, oh, my gosh, you know, stress levels. You start seeing immunosuppressed animals. And when they start getting immunosuppressed, you kind of see pathways for these things to take over a little yeah. more than they normally would. Scales and get tipped. It, yeah. Right. So there's that level to it. That's why captive bred animals are so important if we can get them and um because you kind of reduce that possibility, even in Conixus. I mean, they're shy captive bred animals, but they're not nearly as shy as a lot of the wild caught imported ones I've seen. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's a crazy thing. Yeah. And even as far oh, yeah, as like I mean, the enrichment stuff that we were kind of talking about in the beginning, like I. I I don't know exactly where I sit with the whole enrichment thing, like I do think it's good to to do things. I don't think it has to be like huge things like the small things we talked about before, you know, with you doing like pine needles, like the sheds of another snake, a clean mm. snake that's been in your collection, you know, multiple hides has been a big thing for me and like giving them more than just, just one place to hide, giving them I also give options. Them, I like and, changing their hides, like giving them different hides. Like mm-hmm. that's why I like the disposable yeah. stuff that we keep, you know, just like little boxes, throw one box out, mm-hmm. give them a different box. They're it's all just, over it. I think there's, yeah. there's a lot of small things you can do that can, that can achieve the same thing as yeah. like just some of these over the top sort of 
Yeah, and well, that's that's the over the top stuff. I think is what scares a lot of herpers in general, and it's not not just a hobby thing. I mean, that isn't a zoological wide thing. Like, yeah, we we don't want to put red boomer balls in with our dragons and stuff necessarily. You know, we want to do something cool. So, just providing a dynamic living space, you know, you're already kind of providing that. You know, like I mentioned, randomized like basking in UV availability. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, that's right. enrichment because yeah, you're basically absolutely. just in, like that animal sees it's on and can feel it, see it. A lot of these things can see, uh, you know, UVA waves. So mm -hmm. um, they see it and they now you've encouraged them to go do something that's natural. So they're going to mm -hmm. go sit under it now. You know, they're going to go heat up. That's a natural behavior. Boom. Enrichment. Right. Because you're making them make decisions and you're giving them options. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it doesn't have to be difficult. Putting shed skins. My I keep I have four adult uh, coastal carpets. I rotate their hide boxes. Like move Super them around the cage? Yeah, when I'm cleaning. Yeah. No, to different cages. Oh, okay. I got you. You know, I keep them separately. And I, I cohab them through a lot of the year, though. Uh, the mm -hmm. pairs that I have. But then right now, I've just separated them. As we go into uh, September's my heavy feed month. So I kind of, I'm like Jake. I just feed when I remember to kind of. Um, and then like, but a month and a half to two months before I need to fast them, before going into the cool down, you know, I kind of, I lay it on them a little bit, especially the females, just to make sure that they're, they're they kind of got the reserves, but when they're separated, anytime they're separated, I, I will rotate the high boxes because not all my hide boxes are the same, which is another thing we can go down to. Like, why does everyone have the same damn hide box? <laughs> why, why have we not seen uh, someone screwing around with high box? I made one recently. I saw that. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. I love Inside those. that thing, it is pitch black. Nice. Like, so is I made the, a little hallway. Oh, no, I saw that one, too. No, this is okay. just something I yeah. made out of some scrap XPVC. Yeah, dude. Um, if you haven't seen them, you need to. I need to check Freaking cool. They cool. love it. My my coastals love that. I'm going to make some more when I have some time because I'm not very handy, and it just takes a little time. But um, but I don't see – David's probably doing some different stuff. I saw the one that fits, like, right in the rack system that yeah, had a little lift like lid, and that, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um. But there's just so much more we can do that I think we just like, oh, here's a hide box. This works. And it's like, okay. I, I mean, it works, but. Well, even something as simple as taking a little, like a just a, even a pinch of the substrate from, like if I, my two Loma Alta Bairds, like if I took a pinch of the substrate from one and put it in with the other and vice versa, like you can immediately see them go up to that and start smelling it and looking at it and trying to figure out what, like you see an instant result from it. Yeah, and isn't that experience. awesome though? Like you know, you see them going, "Oh, what is this?" Mm -hmm. and sort of investigating it and checking it out. And of course, the male gets all excited because he thinks now there's a female around. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's but just like awesome, small. Right? I'm all about small things to to make you know change things up a bit. It yeah. doesn't have to be something. You don't have to have end. like a, a giant playground in your backyard. Yeah, like yeah. and there's nothing gym. wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but I mean, I'm just encouraging people to be open and, and just yeah. try something. I mean, I don't, a lot of the reasons I like these animals, cause I like to see them do stuff. You know, mm -hmm. one of the reasons I love having carpet pythons is cause a lot of time they don't just sit there. They're active right. animals. They, they're interested in things. Uh, it's one of the things I love rat snakes and corn snakes. They're yeah. interested in stuff. I um, actually, I actually just set up, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ryan. Oh, you're fine. No, I, um, that's all I was kind of saying. Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> you want to see them do stuff and uh, you yeah. have keepers that are like, want that interaction. Well, here's a way to interact with those animals and kind of get that, you know, scratch that itch without having to just resort to like, well, I'll feed it. 
yeah. <laughs> like to get that that yeah. interaction so um besides i mean it's why the heck not like yeah. it does not like i have i know i'm I'm a little insane about it i think that's from my zoo perspective but i mean i have like frozen leaves and from different kinds in my freezer that i, nice. I freeze and then take them out and I'm, like i'll put some big ficus leaves in here i'll put some magnolia leaves in here and um, just add that kind of stuff to, you can do that in a rack system. It doesn't have, you don't have to have just a cage to do that. So yeah. P and Cody do that with all their stuff. You know, yeah. they replace branches from their, from their front yard and put it oh, in with yeah. their mambas and stuff like that. And we do that at work like crazy. Anytime we have, we either have live plants or we'll go around and snip stuff. We're watching my, my damn cat just climbed into a cage and is now just chilling we, an empty we, cage. But yeah, See? like along enrichment yeah. along those lines, of like changing <laughs> things up, you know, with like rat snakes and stuff. Like I actually did a you know little yeah, it's still a tub, like but it's a it's a tall, it's a very tall tub. Um, and I set up a uh, one of my uh, Seminole County rat snakes, mm. and I literally pretty much put everything I could in here just in this thing just to see what it would utilize. So like I gave it a normal hide box and then I gave it. So that's, I mean, all this stuff, like I bought from the dollar store and, um, big lots. It was all stuff I kind of, you know, made to work. And so I gave it like more of a classic hide box. And then I gave it one that was much longer and skinnier. And I put a hole in it on one side. So I gave it one of those. And then I gave it two different kinds of perching options. One that was a little higher with some, netting kind of attached to both sides and then um and then another like a wire one down below that that stretched across the whole thing and then i also took another one of those elongated ones and i zip tied it to the top of the tub to make an elevated hide or like an arboreal hide quote unquote um for him to see if he actually utilized it and like the idea behind it is just to see what they like the most you know and see mm -hmm. where he goes and dude that first night he was in there he went straight up into that arboreal high how did you mount that huh was that one of the like mounts or was how did you oh no see so i i, I saw had, the picture but i didn't yeah it was you know you did you know what the, i used for like the hide is it like this there's like flower pot thing or not flower pot they're like just like little containers you can get from the dollar store they're like I saw the picture of it and like I didn't that. recognize it. So that's why I was. Well, like, they, it's just it? like these little containers you can get at the dollar store. They're a dollar a piece. They have like, they're the ones with like the weird rubber at the bottom of them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember you buying those. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's those. And all I did was they're I took, like drawer organizers for yeah. like silverware and stuff. Yeah. But they have the rubber bottom on them. Yeah. And so what I did was I put a hole in the side of it. Mm hmm. And then on the top of my lid on the, on the tub, I melted a hole and I made it a little wider. And then I took that hide and along with the big hole on the side for him to get through, I put small holes on the sides of it, like on the skinny sides of it for the zip tie. And so the zip tie uh, goes through okay. the lid gotcha. into the hide out the side and mm -hmm. back out. And I just zip tie it there. Yeah, it's annoying because you can't just pull it off. It's but yeah. it's not. It, it'll come off with the lid if he doesn't. If he if he's in there and he doesn't want to come out, he doesn't have to come out. I don't mm -hmm. care that much, you know. And if I need to clean it, I can cut the zip ties off and clean it out and zip tie it back. You know, it's. I thought about mounting. Make reusable zip ties. Exactly. There you go. See? Yeah. There you go. But see, you gave him options. You gave it a choice. 
Um, yeah. And that's sometimes that's all it is. But, you know, some what's debilitating is when you kind of come up with like a, something, at least at work, it's like, here's some enrichment and you offer it and they don't effing use it. You're yeah. like, what a waste of my stupid time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so but, don't but do that, that anymore. Yeah, it is part of it. But on the flip side, like you offer this animal this cool hide. You're like, yeah, this is cool. Like you're probably getting excited and making it and like, yeah. all right, this thing's going to use that. And you put it in there and it uses it. You're like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. He did like that. I, I got yeah. that. I got that right. And yeah. like that should kind of that kind of a, you know, positivity that, that kind of propels you to try something different moving forward too. It's like, you know, yeah. you like, like, we don't know what a lot of these natural behaviors are. What are some of the natural behaviors of corn snakes? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I want to do the yeah, same I mean, thing with bat, corn snakes. Like Crossing asphalt. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, so, you they, know, dude, it's, put some it's hot made asphalt made, in that rack. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, it's made me go on a whole thing about dude i i plan on doing a setup with uvb and an actual basking bulb instead of like a instead of a panel or under under the belly heat like i, I want an actual basking bulb uvb you know the whole nine isopods and you yeah know, wait till you see and when I, they I to go under the uvb instead yeah. of like a basking like a, yeah if you give them like a, a heat at least my experience if you give them a heat panel and then there's uvb on the other side a lot of times they choose that uvb over the heat emitted from that from that heat panel yeah they can see it it's it's ingrained like oh i need some of that well that's Um, also why that's also why i want to give them like a like a uva bulb like i want to have like a uvb you Mm -hmm. know for you know obviously getting all that but i want a, a bulb specifically so they can see the uv rays like from that for actual basking, you know, and I don't know. Well, yeah, no, most of those T5 high output bulbs, those linear fluorescent bulbs, they put out both UVA and UVB wavelengths. Okay, and yeah. uh, reptiles can see that. So, and that's yeah. another thing to keep in consideration because I thought about this with fish a lot too, is um, we don't give them that a lot of the times. And no. essentially with a wild caught animal, you, you're bringing them to a place that looks unbelievably different. Mm-hmm. Not only just different already, but there's a whole wavelength of light that they can't even see anymore. So they're kind of like colorblind and maybe there's foods they would eat previously, but now they, it looks different. You know, there's yeah. just a whole area we don't know. Um, so, yeah, I love that you're talking about giving them UVA because they can see it. You know, they can see UVA. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what's that do to your animal? Think about just that. What does that give your animal? Like just bringing them outside. It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. What is what this? is this? Yeah, I've noticed that with some of the brettle, and I take them outside. You know, you, you sit out in a chair and they go just, crazy. They'll, yeah, well, I mean, mine would they would at like, first, but then the a while fuck? after a while, they just they stop and they just sit there, and you can tell they're just soaking up yeah. all of it. You know, they're they're loving it. Oh, we haven't even gone down the heat road, room. man. Like where the IRA, IRB, and IRC mm-hmm. heat, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, and you can put this into perspective. Everyone's had like a reptile, whether it's uh, you know, snake, a lizard, or whatnot, and it's always been a fairly calm animal and you bring it out and you let it soak up some sun for like five minutes and you're like who the hell is this beast yeah you know, they a lot of them that that energy like they feel that heat it's just different it penetrates yeah. deeper it warms them up to the core um and they just they're a different animal i see a lot with like smaller crocodilians you know you give them mm-hmm. that what they need and all of a sudden you're like geez you've always been cool why are you a why are you a jerk yeah. now 
Um, yeah, but then it's like it makes you think is like, is this how it should be acting like all the time? Am I like, yeah, and probably am I, am I, you know, what I'm trying to think of the word is escaping me, but like, am I holding it back from what it should be? Depriving because, it. yeah, depriving that was well, it, you know, yeah. subconsciously, you're probably, you're probably keeping these animals that we're not even thinking about to act a certain way that's easier for us. Like, oh, you know, we're not without even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I met a lot of rat snakes. They usually calm down after some handling, but usually they're uh, they're not so polite right away. No. Mm-hmm. Um, because no. they think you're going to, I mean, rat snakes are what? I mean, any snake, you know, what's it, a couple inches tall at the most? Yeah. So yeah. any, like, just an average human, they're like, that giant beast is going to eat me. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. You're, you're either running or fighting because that's your, those are your options. So, yeah. Um, and if you don't have the energy to do it, maybe you never know. So, yeah, I mean, I think we manipulate behaviors and in, in animals without even really totally realizing it a lot of times. But, man, you guys are yawning and I'm not. And I am not a night owl. Yeah, no, dude. <laughs> I was I'm... like nine o'clock. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's do it. No, nah, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I can't, man. I'm, I, well, I work a lot. Yeah, I mean, we are. It at, is time at to wrap it up, so. though. Oh, snap. Yeah, this is what happens, man. I'll talk uh, and talk no, and man. talk. No, I was, I dude, this, dude, like this was fantastic. Things, I, I so. loved the I loved the conversation tonight. This was this was great. Where uh, can people hunt you down? Where can they find the the new new podcast and stuff? Oh yeah, so our podcast should be on all platforms. Uh, we have a new episode that comes out uh, monthly. Don't want to take on too much. Uh, it's called Let's Talk Turtles. Has a Florida box turtle as a little icon. It'll be, it's on anything that you pretty much that you would want. Stitcher. I know um, it's on Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. Yep. Spotify, iTunes, all those things. It's on there. Um, yeah. If you take a listen, I think it, let me know, give me some feedback. It's just kind of a little passion project for my wife and I, it's, it's fun. Um, yeah. That's what and yeah, on, on, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I can't tell you how much it means to me that I have a spouse who is uh, willing to, listen yeah, to man. me talk and talk with me about turtles and she's not a reptile she's an animal person but she's not a reptile person so That's it means all. a lot to me it strengthens our marriage you know reptiles are the key to a happy marriage <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's I, I dig it and i don't care if i get four listeners i'm just gonna keep pumping them out because we have a blast doing it um and just getting some turtle content out there the first one is like what is a turtle it's very basic has some fun facts in there and kind of the hope is to start from the beginning so people can learn a little bit of base knowledge about turtles and tortoises and kind of grow with us as we get mm-hmm. into more complex topics. Um, yeah. And then uh, on Instagram, rad underscore reptiles 82. And you can find me on Facebook, Ryan Dumas or rad reptiles there as well. Awesome. Nice, man. Well, well, we, we definitely, definitely appreciate, appreciate you coming, you coming on, on, man. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, separated at birth. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, but thanks like for having me on. A um, little, little co-jingle. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. It's fun to talk, well, man. Well, we used to do a little, like, the yeah, co-singing man. jingles thing. The co Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot we used to do this. Yeah. Oh, we have no life. <laughs> yeah. Dude, our next our next intro should just be like, ooh. Uh, like acapella. Oh, like, like, uh, you have uh, to now. Join in. He can do the, the baritone. 
dude that would be <laughs> awesome dude, we can get everybody to chime in and then after that what this is the herpeticulture podcast <laughs> and, you know, everybody well we'll i'm actually gonna be disappointed be if you don't now yeah, okay. <laughs> See, he says this, but he's not gonna the one. He's not gonna be the one who has to like dude. do the recording in the. Yeah, I'll, dude, I'll record. Oh it. I'll yeah, it's way easier for uh, me to say this. Yeah, no, I'll just have everybody send me a recording, and or I'll just record it when we're all together next time. Myself live. <laughs> we can do a new one at Daytona Institute. every year. Yeah, yeah, that'll be our new intro time after every Daytona. Come on, man, oh, that'd be man. great. This is developing fast. Yeah. it's already it's, it's already happening well <laughs> once again thank yep. you for coming on man really enjoyed absolutely. it it's great yeah thanks for having me on it was nice to digitally meet you guys yeah absolutely glad to glad to actually put a face to a name on this one on with you so it's good yeah. good yeah. good good well enjoy the rest of your evening Usually. And, uh, oh yeah i mean um, my long walk to my bed that's right that's yeah <laughs> I got a long, long drive journey. home, so you guys just get to walk inside. I gotta drive thirty minutes home, so. Aww. Oh, well, have a safe yeah. drive, man. Maybe you see some cool snakes on the way. Uh hopefully, probably not, but hopefully. Fingers crossed. I, f- I feel yeah. positive. For I you, love man. the You'll enthusiasm. Well, if I find something, I'll make sure to send you a picture. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. We'll have All a good right, night, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you too. One thirty-four. Oh, my leg looks weird. You got white knees. It's got white legs. It's like all blown out. Yeah, I need to get the lighting better in here for the live shows. Look at how white my forehead is, man. I look like I have like glue on my face. White paint on my forehead. You're pale. I am pale. Pasty. I'm taking these headphones off. All right. Well, uh, once again, thank you for joining us, Ryan. Thank you for the sponsorship, Steve Snakeshuary. Please check it out. Hot sauces. You know you need them. You need They're them. They're hot. They're them. spicy. Kind of like Jake. Flavorful, huh? Hot and spicy? What? Me? Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't mind if Jesus. I do. Don't flatter yourself, sweetheart. You said it. You, I don't Is know it? if y'all can hear this freaking frog in the background, but he's like right boy. outside the, the garage door screaming at us, probably telling us to stop so he can go to... Uh, Go to sleep and probably catch him some bugs. Yep. So uh, we'll see everybody Monday night at nine p.m. for Snakes and Stogies. I think this is episode ninety. Good God, mm. no idea what Phil has planned. Um, we completely—I meant to talk about the this Western Hognose bite that popped up on Facebook. I meant to talk about that last Monday, and we never did. So I'm gonna have to make sure that's on the docket of things we get covered. So. Yep. Uh, as usual, we appreciate everybody. Um, thank you. We love you. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Sleep wherever well. you are. All that good stuff. We thank you. And we salute you. Have a good work day. THP 134. We out. <laughs>